powered from the Perdomo Scar Studios on the Black Stage in Indian Trail, North Carolina, and broadcasting from the Drew State Studios in California. It's episode 223 of the Primetime Show. Tonight, it's our 12th media panel as we were joined by John McTavish, Matt and Garrett from How About That Cigar, and Cigar Hustler Mike. And as always, the Primetime Show is sponsored by Saga Cigars. Delos Race introduced another chapter of the saga, the Saga Celez. The Celez is a Spanish word that means leisure after work in the spirit of the standing of ideal of owning your own journey and making your own saga. Saga Celez is the perfect companion to enrich those moments of choice, making them truly yours. Saga Celez carries a blend of Criollo Olor and Peloto Cubano wrapped in a selected Ecuador shade Claro wrapper that generously delivers with elegance a surprisingly rich and balanced smoke. Available in three sizes at an affordable price, ask your retailer for Saga Celez. And by Perdomo Cigars, awarded Nicaraguan Cigar of the Year in 2014 by Cigar Journal. The Perdomo 20th anniversary brand has consistently earned the highest scores in the industry and is a top seller in humidors around the world. The Perdomo 20th anniversary blend requires tobaccos that have been carefully hand-selected and are well-aged for a minimum of eight years. The Perdomo 20th anniversary is offered in three distinct wrappers, a smooth, creamy Ecuadorian Connecticut, a rich, earthy Cuban seed Nicaraguan sun-grown, and a dark, oily Cuban seed Nicaraguan Maduro. Combining these beautifully bourbon barrel-aged wrappers with their high priming binder and filler tobaccos gives each blend a balanced complexity with layers of rich flavors and smooth, elegant aromas. Perdomo Cigar is a family-owned and operated company headquartered in Miami, Florida, with manufacturing and agricultural facilities in Esley, Nicaragua. Perdomo's highly acclaimed cigar brands include the Perdomo Estate Selection Vintage, the Perdomo 12-Year Vintage, the Perdomo 20th Anniversary, Perdomo Reserve 10th Anniversary Line, Perdomo Abano Bourbon Barrel-Aged, Perdomo Lot 23, Perdomo Mensa 70, and many more. For great tasting notes and pairing information, check out the Perdomo website at www.perdomocigars.com. I want to mention Aganorsa Leaf. Great Leaf makes great cigars. Aganorsa Leaf stands out because it has a distinctive flavor of a Carrojo 99 and Criollo 98 seeds cultivated by Cuban agronomists on the best lands in Hopper and Esteli, Nicaragua. When you smoke one of our JFR, JFR Lunatic, Guardian of the Farm, or Casa Fernandez cigars, you experience a unique toast and aroma that makes Aganorsa Leaf special. Smoke one today and enjoy the signature flavor of Aganorsa Leaf. And finally, by Drew Estate. Check out and download the Drew Diplomat app for your mobile device. Keep on with everything going on Drew Estate. Experience the subculture that is the rebirth of cigars. Available on iTunes and Google Play. For more information, check out www.drewdiplomat.com. And as always, all the live streaming for the Primetime Network of Shows is sponsored exclusively by Drew Estate as well as the California studios for the primetime show. Well, welcome, everybody. This is primetime episode 223, a special Wednesday night edition. This is Will Cooper. I'm back in the Perdomo Cigar Studios here on the Black Stage. And I'm joined by my partner in crime every week, Mr. Aaron Loomis. How you doing tonight, Will? You know, I'm doing really good because everyone's here tonight. So I, I, I'm, feeling, I'm feeling good today, yeah. Good. So I, I'm excited, you know. You know, uh, you know, I felt a little rusty kind of even last night. So uh, yeah. we'll see how I'm going to, you know, going to do. Um, but um, like I said, it, you know, it's always good when you have friends on. And uh, I really appreciate my friends more than ever lately. So thanks to everybody. Thanks. Absolutely. Yep. yep. Um, but uh, yeah. So uh, you're getting ready for the big trip, right? Yep. Heading to Florida for a little bit of spring training. So uh, are you going to be- clear? Are you going to Clearwater? Uh, I probably won't make it to Clearwater. Uh, probably be Tampa and uh, probably Lakeland, and I don't know where else. Yeah. We'll see. Well, if you happen to see Charlie Manuel, okay, <laughs> remember your buddy here would love an autograph. 
Sure. If I see Charlie, I'll be sure to. I'll Charlie sure is to... around. Charlie is around spring training. That's why I'm yeah. saying that. It's not yeah. just he's been down there and he's going to all the games. So sure. sure. Uh, or, so we'll see what happens. But uh, all right. So uh, no, look. Uh, I know you're gonna have a good time there uh, doing that. Um, and and uh, yep. Look forward to the whole report when you get back here. I know you haven't done this in a while, so. Uh, yeah, last time I made a trip out there for spring training was nineteen, I think. So it was right before the. Yeah. Right before the pandemic. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. All right. So hey, without further ado, let's introduce. We're doing a media panel tonight. Um. So disclaimer. Uh. The the words and everything said on this by our guests do not reflect the primetime show or its host. You better <laughs> say that. You better say that. We get into trouble with every media show, right? That's why. Yes. I, so and I, I so I'm putting the disclaimer out there, but uh, everyone's I know everyone's gonna be nice. So, uh, hey, so let's uh, no. first. No, no. no. <laughs> we don't that's have. Not sex. Na- that's not the name of the. That's not the name of the show. Yeah, <laughs> the, the be nice show. The be nice show. No, this isn't Roadhouse. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so hey, let's introduce. Uh, without further ado, uh, uh, coming to us from the great state of Florida, Cigar Hustler Mike. Hey, thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for being yeah. on, Mike. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. And I just want you to know, I wouldn't be able to pick up, pick out Charlie Manuel in a fucking lineup for, you know, my life was dependent on it. So thank God Aaron's got that job. Yeah, he, he, He's a better man than Tom Brady. I'll just tell you that. <laughs> crazy. It's crazy. Uh, great, greatest manager ever. <laughs> All right. All right. I'll have hey, to take your word for it. Yeah. Take my word on that. Trust me. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you the Tom Brady. Greatest player. You got to give me Charlie, though. Know, yeah. Okay. All right. All right. All right. And then uh, from the great state of Minnesota, um, these guys pulled double duty tonight. So I know they just did a show. Um, grateful to have these guys. Uh, Garrett Robinson and Matt Ty of How About That Cigar? Rock stars. Gentlemen, it's always an honor and a pleasure to sit and talk cigars and mm-hmm. and uh, maybe a little other stuff with you guys. So yep, yep. let's do this. All right. I'm looking forward to it as well. And finally, from uh, the great country known as Canada. He is the conscious Canadian. He's the one and only. Also pulled double duty tonight, by the way. Co-host of the show. Um, cigar surgeon John McTavish. Thank you, sir. It's always a pleasure to be on. I am I am coming in from a saucy show where I got a little sauced up, but uh, not enough not enough sauce for my uh, for my tastes, unfortunately. But uh, it's great to be here. It's a great group. Uh, looking forward to some great conversation tonight. Um, you know, I'm here for the cigars and the conversation. Uh, and like you said. Our opinions are our own. Uh, I'll do my best to offend every single one of you. So just take the heat off everybody else. Thank you. There you go. Thanks, John. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't know if we have much to talk about because there's not really much going on, right? Oh, no No news. Very quiet. Yeah, it's really Uh, quiet in the cigar world right now. But but before, no, actually, it really is. But before we get there, um, let's go around the horn with people are smoking tonight. Um, (laughs) If people are smoking. So I'll go Mike first. Well, these just came into the shop today, so I had to take mm-hmm. one. It's the Nicarita Tricky Traka four four eight. Really you know, like I really that's like a really that good side. cigar. Yeah, that's a really a, good cigar. Aaron's yeah. saying that. So <laughs> far, so good. So far, so good. And then I got a backup of my my standard evening Neanderthal HN that happens every night. So I was going to do the whole Postania thing. I'm like, man, you know, just don't be that guy all the time. <laughs> oh, that's all right. You could be that guy. It'll probably always be closing. Always sell. Aaron, are you smoking tonight? Not smoking tonight. Uh, I am reviewing tomorrow. So got to keep this palate in 
immaculate condition. So I'm, I'm just drinking tonight. So. Yep. so fresh and so clean, clean. There you right. go. I know. I, I actually no, I know that feeling. It's not a bad thing to do it once uh, for review. Uh, Tongue conditioning. Yes. <laughs> All right. Matt and Garrett, what are you smoking tonight? Uh, since you're such a fan of the Lanceros, Coop, I thought I would bring out a Maestro Di Tiempo from Warped. And this one has got some serious age on it. So yeah, that's an old one. Yeah, I mean, uh, that is. That's probably 2016, maybe. Because I, yeah. I don't know if they re-released the Lanceros. Since. I don't think so. No, yeah. they haven't. Uh, yeah. And I've got a, a, surrogate's, a surrogate's Seventh Samurai. Nice. That I'm starting with. And uh, my backup is the uh, Padrino from Amendola, mm. which I'm pretty sure we're going to get to a second cigar tonight. Right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I got a Regis Lancero. Oh, nice. 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 All right. John, you're, uh, what's the temperature, first of all? So I am smoking tonight. It is glorious. Uh, it started out here at around 64 degrees freedom. It's going to cool off. So I do have a jacket on. The only reason I have a jacket on is because I'm, I'm essentially losing five degrees every half an hour. Uh, but it's still, it's still about 56, 57 degrees freedom, which for the Canadian is, warm. it's warm. It's warm. very toasty. So I am smoking and I'm very happy to be smoking on a show again because I feel like such a putz when I'm on a show and I'm not a cigar show, not smoking. Uh, it's funny. Uh, Mike was saying he almost, he, he almost smoked the, uh, the HN. I almost actually grabbed the HN instead. I grabbed the uh, Chromag EMH. Um, nice. It's part of the smuggler series from Loomis. Uh, so I appreciate, uh, appreciate <laughs> being able to get those up here. Uh, the connect. Nice. Uh-huh. Right. So who would I'm be gonna- on a cigar show and not have a cigar? That's weird. Aaron the plug Loomis. Me. <laughs> well, I'm gonna be that guy, and I'm gonna smoke the post. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah! A-, a cigar recently reviewed on oh, yeah. developing palettes. Uh, yes, but- right. that's right. Which John killed, by the way. They were clear. They have a scorer on the panel. Killed it. <laughs> Ooh, it was rough. So uh, I'm looking forward to this. Uh, I can't and- go into detail, but I was like, "What?" I was as a, I'm listening. Like, <laughs> said, "What?" All, all oh, I man. know is, all I know is, after I saw that, I said, "There's going to be an episode of a Cigar Hustlers podcast on this review." I said, "Yeah." I said, okay. <laughs> I, kn- "I know Mike doesn't have my cell phone number because I didn't get a phone call after the video <laughs> posted." I'm like, "I'm going to send Mike my telephone number so he can call me next time." Yeah, absolutely. You said what? I'll have to, well, I'll FaceTime that and, you know, record it though. So we can share. There you go. Right. Always, gotta, always gotta thinking, always yeah. thinking. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Of course. No. So, uh, and then I'm going to back it up with the Southern drawer, Jacob's ladder Ascension, mm. which is the, uh, this is the Mexican San Andreas version of the, of the, uh, Jacob's ladder. So, Very nice. Yeah. It's that cigar is no joke. That cigar is not messing around. Yeah, it's well, a, it's a breakfast cigar actually for me. <laughs> Sorry. famously famously smoked that for breakfast uh during the trade show uh because you know you gotta do it on a fresh palate it was delicious with breakfast i oh, highly yeah. recommend it little eggs yeah. a little breakfast yeah i went i went actually about one cigar in six days last week um <gasps> which was rough but uh what? and it was because where i was in new york um there, actually, I could, there was a hotel which was great to smoke at the problem is it was either too cold or it was too rainy. Uh, so yeah. I only got one day in really to smoke there. Um, Struggle is real, Coop. But mm-hmm. uh, but I have, I, I've already given the recommendation to Hector because he's going up there for the Mets games and it's in Queens. I said, Hector, 
this hotel, if, if it's the weather's fine, they let you smoke out there, and it's it's a huge outdoor uh, area to smoke. So, and they they didn't give me any problems. So, so did you see his decked out like hobby room that he oh, just reached? Yep. That's that's a shrine. That's not a hobby room. Yeah. That's impressive. Shit. Is yeah, he twelve? I mean, what's going on there? I mean, uh, very he's retired. He's retired. He's retired. Same thing. Twelve. Same thing. Exactly. We're reverting back. That's yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, Instead no, of a no. Porsche, he got a baseball room. Yeah. yeah. No shit. <laughs> I was like, that's a lot of stuff there. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Good for him. Yeah. All right. So, guys, um, few topics tonight. Um, we'll start off with uh the topic I guess that I don't have a better name for responsible marketing. Oh. All right. Uh, so I think this is something that's probably been talked on most of our shows from time to time. Uh, and what I wanted to do really tonight, I wanted to get like some different opinions from like, because, you know, Aaron and I've talked about it. John and I've talked, uh, you know, obviously offline, but not on a show. Uh, you know, Bear and I've talked about, it. I wanted to kind of get some different, op- different opinions here. So um, let me kind of start it off. Um, I think everyone knows the gist of, of this memo um, that basically uh, was issued by the PCA that's kind of set off a, a very interesting firestorm in terms of whether or not these products are being, you know, our products, premium cigars are being marketed for uh, children, right? And I think a lot of, we, we've talked a lot about this. I think there's been a lot said about this memo in terms of it, maybe some people felt it was passive aggressive. Some people felt it was not aggressive at all. Uh, some people like, why, the, why is the PCA getting involved with that? Um, but let me kind of just start off with we'll kind of I know we're going to get into a lot of discussion on this in terms of this memo, though. I mean, do you think that this memo brought the issue? Like A lot of people knew that this issue ex- maybe was something that could exist. And I think people have different opinions on it. if It's an issue or not. But do you think the PCA memo like really accomplished what it wanted to do in terms of it created an awareness of this um, issue? I don't want to say problem because I know people may have different opinions on this. Who goes first? I'll, I'll say that, that I don't think the memo brought, brought it to anybody's attention. I think the memo just kind of like gave, gave people something to complain about, uh, you know, but it was it, the, the marketing's in front of everybody's face unless you don't pay attention to anybody else's brand except for your own, right? Which I don't think, you know, some people say they do, but they don't. Um, so like everybody knows it's happening, but like then somebody says something and then, then the issue becomes, why are they telling me this? All that kind of stuff instead of, and then some people get, feel like, oh, now I got to do something about it because I, now I'm up in arms and it, it just becomes a clusterfuck because, you know, somebody says something that everybody already kind of knows is happening, but nobody's ever really said anything or done anything about it. And then. Who knows? It's not well, the it's like, how, do you, how do you feel about it? Like that's, you know, it's like, well, and how your thoughts, your opinions, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's more where like, I personally don't think that the PCA coming out saying anything really made a difference. I mean, the real yeah. wave that I kind of saw was when Charlie did his editorial on half wheel, right? That was when everyone was like, Oh, Oh. And you know, that just kind of bled out to yeah, yeah. major yeah. conflict. And then everybody having opinions, you know? So I mean, if the if PCA has an opinion, I'm glad that they're doing that. I don't think that it makes a difference. I think for me, um, you know, we all have our own opinions about mm-hmm. just about anything. Um, 
but for me, the issue that I have with, with all of this press that's been going on on this issue is it's just opinions being spewed. There's not conversations being had. There's not mm-hmm. um, any real dialogue being had about it. We've got, you know, Risty who did um, a few tours of, of some shows and, um, you know, I think did a really good job talking about where he's coming from, about the history of some of these products throughout, you know, the last decade that can be considered, you know, that, that fringe gray area towing the line uh, product um, naming and, and uh, advertising. But um, my biggest issue with these memos and these op-eds is it, it is doing more to divide than it is actually creating an environment of a conversation. But do you think that's, that's because do you think that's because the people that are reading these memos have no idea how to have a conversation and only know how to get <laughs> outraged? <laughs> because that's that memo that memo was about as soft as you could be. Uh, like, I think the word please, you're looking it was for a is milk toast. It was a Canadian milk toast. It was a Canadian press release. It was like, hey, yep. hey, hey guys, you know, I, I don't want to offend anybody. Here, aware that this, but somebody told me that this is happening. Heard this is going on. <laughs> if, it, if it's happening, you know, just kind of try to cut it out, like. Oh geez, you know, oh geez, guys. Yeah, yeah. We're not going to say sorry. you did this, but just yeah. put it on our desk when we're not there and we'll right. just consider it all no questions asked. Just stop doing it. Well, yeah. I think that, uh, and I agree with you, Aaron, that I think the last couple of memos of this type that have come out from the PCA, um, I don't necessarily think they've landed where the PCA wanted them to land. And the, that, that includes this memo about the branding. And then there was the, um, there was the memo, uh, what a year and a half ago or two years ago about the, uh, um, was it about the, what was the big kerfuffle a couple of years ago about, was it about trade show attendance or something like or that? Let, letting, uh, consumers in consumers. Yeah. Yeah, the, you, yeah. Yeah. And I don't think, I don't think they've necessarily, had it land where they want it to land or where they need it to land. And I agree. It was too. um, If, if they have something to say, instead of dancing around the issue, which they, they Mm -hmm. sort of do that with the language that they put in the memos, they, they, they're very soft. And, and, you know, I, I think if they have something to say, they should just say it. Yeah. but but Sorry, go ahead. Well, if, if what I'm saying is, we already have, and I have, I've, I have so many pages of notes about this that I haven't been able to compile into like a logical thought. They're just like <laughs> snippets yeah. of, of brainwaves that I put down on paper. But if the fact is we already have regulatory organizations that are regulating the premium cigar industry, we have the FDA and they're, they're doing everything they can to regulate the behaviors of the premium cigar industry yeah. is the PCA. Does the PCA want to become a regulatory organization? Mm. Yeah. Meaning do they want to regulate the way that brands showcase, visualize and market their products? See, 
of I, course, I, of course, outside of we outside of let's let's take marketing to children or marketing to underage smokers off the table completely. Mm-hmm. Let's let's uh, I mean, can we all can we all agree that there are no cigar company? There are no premium cigar companies that want somebody underage to purchase their products. I don't I don't I don't think we can take that off the table because it's I feel like we there, can. He's there's, Canadian. There's, Move on. Yeah, there's so I just want to quickly touch on it. There's two aspects to that. And and the first aspect and the most important is is anyone in this cigar industry actively marketing towards kids or in the are they intending to market towards kids? And the answer to that without me looking at all the marketing is definitively no. I don't think there's a single person in this industry who right. intentionally or unintentionally is marketing towards kids. The problem is that's not the point. And this is this is where I think the, the language needs to be crystal clear. It's not about whether you intend to. It's not about whether you unintentionally to. It's whether some dumpski, and we'll get into this later in the show, whether a dumpski who knows nothing about cigars reasonably believes that that product could be construed as being marketed towards kids. And the answer to that is wholeheartedly, 100% yes, and it is widespread, and there are tons and tons and tons and tons of examples. No one person is responsible for this. This is an industry problem. Now, I don't necessarily disagree with you, but that then takes us into the, the field or the realm of, is the PCA a regulatory organization? Absolutely not. Or are they not? No. But because yeah, no, they're, they're, not. they're using language and they're stepping close to, I'm not saying they have crossed over the line, but they're using language and they're getting close to behaviors that indicate they're becoming a regulatory organization where they're going to take steps that prevent certain companies from, from branding products in a way that they choose to brand products. I'm not saying I agree with one or the other or anywhere in between. I'm saying, is that the role for this particular conversation we're on right now, is that the role of the PCA and should it be? Well, this is where I had a problem with the boutique cigar association is making that vanilla statement saying we favor self-regulation. And I don't think there was any thought put into what that, what that means. Thank and you. That's a, and that's a complicated issue. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and, I, and I was critical of them for that because I just felt you can't make a statement like that. It, 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 and there's a lot we could talk about, certainly why, but I don't think, first of all, the industry is ready to self-regulate. So I don't think it's equipped. And well, certainly self- the PCA is not. And the PCA is certainly not. Yes, you're 100%. One of the things I wrote on my notes was, in my, as far as I can tell, the, the term self-regulation just means opinion. It's just another term for opinion. Yeah. Everybody's got different opinions about the <clears> way <throat> they should brand their products, the way they will or will not brand their products. Mm-hmm. So self-regulation is really just opinion. When you're talking about actual regulation, that comes down to a governing body mm-hmm. deciding what you can and cannot do. Yeah, right. And the FDA is already that we already have a governing body. So are we going to add another layer of a governing body between the the manufacturers and the FDA? That being the PCA, does the PCA want to become a governing body like the livestock police in Yellowstone. There you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. 
I, yeah, I don't think that I don't necessarily take it as the PCA trying to regulate or wanting to be a regulating body. Um, I just take it as them being uh, an organization that uh, has a role in the cigar industry that they want to continue to see survive. And they're saying, hey, in our opinion, this isn't the best idea. And we recommend that you don't do it because of whatever reasons it is. No different if you saw a bunch of kids getting into trouble and you as a adult or a parent says, you know what, this is probably not the best idea. Maybe I'll go over and just say something to them and say, like, you're not the police, but you're part of society and you kind of want to make sure that, you know, society kind of keeps on, uh, you know, a positive track and, you know, they're not going around, you know, mugging old ladies for their groceries and stuff like that. So you're not, you know, I don't take it as you being, you know, like, I'm not going to run up to you and say, Hey Matt, can I see your badge? Like this is over the line for what you're, you know, talking to these kids about. Like, I don't, I don't see it as that. I just see it yeah. as like, but you get to a point have... where there's like, you, you think like you can have a gentleman's agreement. It's kind of common sense. We shouldn't do this. Kind of make statements. Not, not, not in this. Not in this. No, not at all. That's why I'm saying. That's why, I'm, yeah. that's why we're I, in the position yeah. that we're in because it's yeah, not. And, a, and it and I'm with you. Absolutely. I, 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 so I, I don't, I don't think that, I mean. But when there's I, consequences, when, a, when the PCA puts out consequences for brands who will say, we're not going to allow you to showcase this hundred percent. They're right. It's their show. They, it they, is they, show, they make the rules. They can make the you rules, but you don't Absolutely. have to be a PCA member to sell cigars. Yeah. They, look, they told Rich that he couldn't sell nugs there. Yeah. A couple Ooh, years yeah. ago. Um, okay. So, I mean, they, they could certainly, it's their show. They have a right to do it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they told, okay. So, and and uh, so I'm trying as hard as I can to not be biased here because Risty is an actual friend of mine. Right. He's a he's a friend. But at the same time, they told the PCA said we're not going to allow you to market nugs at the trade show because of the CD, CBD element. They said this is the reason why we're not going to let you market nugs at the trade show. Yet three booths down the down the row, there was another brand that was marketing CBD. In, uh, who was the company i don't recall the name of the company no one can tell I, me the name of this company that was doing that now I, i'm usually pretty on top of this i get i've heard this story from Riste before but again i i'm pretty familiar who's at the show so like who was it is the question i have before yeah uh, right if, if if someone gives me a name and they could show me the product and they were there which they said <coughs> a different argument i've heard nothing on this is what i'm all right about. but it's okay yeah. so yeah all right first of all pca they have beaten puppy syndrome at this point, right? There's, they got kicked in the fucking nuts four years ago, or yeah. however long ago, when, when the big dogs left. Attendance is, all, is, is continuing to be an issue. We talk about it every single year after the show, right? So, of course, they're going to throw out some softball, like, hey, please, we don't want to piss anybody off. We love you guys. Please don't do this, right? They're, they know that they have no teeth, right? So, yeah, they need to pick a sign, right? The other major problem is if they're going to be the regulators, how are they really going to fuck with anybody? Okay. You can't come to the show. So you're going to tell me that a brand owner or a manufacturer can't succeed if they don't go through PCA. Because I think that, I mean, I, I think I, I can think of a handful of guys that are like, yeah, you know what? We don't need PCA. I mean, right. They just, they'll look, they'll, they'll yeah, exactly. Right. Not to make PCA. We'll make it right. now. And now TP is breathing down their throat. Right. Well, we can just go here. So it's like they can't be the regulators. This is not it would never work because people would be like, all right, well, fuck you, too, then. Right. Mm -hmm. You know. Unless so. I mean, and this goes back, Aaron, this is the point you've been making, like, well, it, 
who's making these cigars, right? And are there consequences that are going to be aimed at who's making these cigars? And again, some of these may be in or out of PCA control at that point. And there's nothing stopping from some company finding, like I said, some small factory in Panama, right? That will isn't making for any major company to make these cigars for them. The cigars get shipped up to them. They print out the bands on their laser printer, and and, and they're completely out of it. So, you know, PCA is not it's not going to solve this problem. And the second thing is, I say, does PCA want to be in the business or anyone, any self-regulatory agency? It's mostly, and I'm not trying to pick, mostly small companies that are doing this. So how much do you want to spend to, to kind of corral these small companies? I think that's, a, that's something you have to weigh. Right. John, are you seeing mid, mid-sized to larger companies doing this? Yeah, of course. <clears throat> you can. Yeah. I think if you looked, you could find examples from from large companies across the board of products that you know. If you looked at it from the again from the perspective of, I don't know anything about cigars. Could I interpret this product as being marketed towards kids? I I guarantee you that I could go through the portfolio of major manufacturers and I could find at least one example. It would not be that difficult. And so that that I think is the real point here is, you know, I get what the PCA is doing, but as Mike was saying. Does it have any teeth? Are you prepared to say to Rocky Patel, sorry, Rocky, you can't exhibit that product at the, at the uh, PCA. Sorry, Drew Estate, you're not able to, you know, I don't, I don't think they're in a position anymore that they can do that. And, you know, sort of building on Aaron's analogy of, of uh, adults sort of telling kids to knock it off, just like the kids, they're not going to listen. And, you know, I think unless you had a, cause I don't think it's a, I don't think you can get a, a PCA board to to really move that dial. I think until the industry is really in a place where you can legitimately get all the manufacturers and you'd have to get a pretty much all the manufacturers to agree, hey, we're not going to produce these products. And and the problem with that is, I mean, how many times have we seen manufacturers put out a cigar and then an individual brand owner puts the band on and they're like, uh, I'm not okay with that. I don't want our company associated with like, like, and this is not kid marketing. This is, you know, slogans or language that they're like, right. yeah, we, that's not, that's not, don't, not representative of our factory. We don't want anything. Don't, and we've don't seen say, that, right? Yeah. And then they say, we can't say what the factory is right. and stuff like that. Yeah. We've seen that. So, I, I mean, it's a, it's, it's going to be a growing problem. I don't think there's a, uh, there's no magic bullet. And like I said, even if you got all the manufacturers, which I mean, Good luck getting the manufacturers to agree on that. But even if the manufacturer said, okay, we're not going to produce cigars that we think go into that gray area, you're still going to have, you're still going to have people doing it because they're just going to produce unbandless stuff and then put their own packaging and marketing on. Right. Yeah. So really at the end of the day, you know, can, can a regulatory body exist in our industry and really, and really uh, tell the industry what to do? I, I don't think so. And and I don't oh. think anyone really wants that. I mean, right. FDA, FDA could do it really easily, but yeah, yeah, and, well, and, and, that, and that's, going that's the one that's going to end up doing it. So well, you got to get some really right. good fucking attorneys to say, hey, look, the, you know, this isn't for kids, and and it, here's the statistics, and we'll break it down for you, and uh-huh. shut the fuck up, FDA, right? You so, know, yeah. So John, you mentioned these categories, like you were talking about, like what the people marketing for kids, right? So I think this is category three, and this is the one that I think everyone's kind of glossing over. It's yeah. I'm not marketing the kids, but you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to use this and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to stir shit up and I'm going to, I'm going to create a disruption. 
right? Yes. And that I mean, look, I think that's what Riste did. Clearly, well, conflict, that's what he did. I mean, conflict sells. Period. Right. Yeah. I mean, I heard the interviews he did with you, Mike. I heard he was on KMA over the weekend. I heard it. And that's that's kind of the message I heard. I Thank mean, you for listening, Coop. I appreciate that. No, no problem. I, I listened as well for the record. But. <laughs> no, it was. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, so I mean, and look, we could talk about what and I think Risley, there was a lot. He was maybe he was unfairly singled out and a lot blamed for a lot of stuff in the past. But unfortunately, that's what happens when you're a disruptor. You're going to put yourself right in, in the firestorm. And that's what he did. So. I think that had to do more with timing. So, I, I you know, yeah. I do think Risty feels unfairly singled out. And I think that's a fair reaction. But I think it has more to do with timing. You know, if we had this conversation three or four years ago, boy, oh, boy, there's tons and tons and tons of examples of small brands. We could come up with dozens of them very quickly that were doing this exact same thing. So, you know, again, it's just a matter of, the timing happened to coincide. Unfortunately, when he was releasing a product, he got called out on this article. And I think he's he's taken a bunch of heat and much of it is truly unfair because, you know, his point is, well, how is it that these other 15 brands have been doing this this entire time? And now all of a sudden I'm the one that's, you I'm know, being asshole. called out for it. Yeah. Basically, yeah, it was a timing, unfortunately. And that's something that's natural that any one of us of course. Would, would most likely do if we were in the same uh, similar situation. When you start to feel singled out or cornered, you you throw up your defenses and you start saying, well, what what why on earth am I the one who's suddenly the bad guy when you know, because if you if you break it down from like, let's take. And I'm not going to name anything but specifically, but let's take the ones that a, a lot of people would consider to be like directly like that is something that's like directly kid related that you just put on the band of that cigar or the box of that cigar Cookie and monster. then take it all the way down through the maybes into the food related stuff, into the beverage related stuff. And where's the where is the line? And who decides where that line is? Right. There is no line. That's it's, yeah, very, it's very, it's, it's very uh, tricky. Matt, I brought up the issue. And Saka got mad at me for saying this. When Brulee was first came out on that cigar name, Uh-oh. if there was another company that used that Brulee name, and I you could think of a couple, Good right? They get, they get destroyed over it. They would be getting destroyed right. over it. So I'm just saying it depends on what it is sometimes. So I mean, they, giving, yeah, giving the benefit of the doubt on that. They teed yeah, off on Caldwell four years ago because of the bicycle. I remember that shit, you know? Yeah. Like a bike? What? Seriously? You know? So, well, so there's mean, no doubt there's a line problem. Don't, you're, don't you're grown-ups ride Don't yeah. grown-ups ride bikes? I mean, Garrett's got a... I don't know, even know what that is, but... Right. I don't know what that I is mean, either. The, that's that's one, one of the things that I've had the hardest time coming to terms with is if, if, there's, going, if there's going to be some form of... Uh, if we're going to say there's a regulation or there's going to be a line, then s- first of all, you you have to have a group of people who decide what the line is and where it's drawn. Yeah. And, the, and that line's going to be the FDA doesn't, requiring it doesn't pre-market approval. Yeah, it, doesn't, it doesn't work here. I think that line starts because- with, with the truly popsicles because that's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's obviously for kids, it's popsicles and it's alcohol. It's way worse than cigars. Yeah, it's yeah, but unfortunately, it's differently regulated. Totally fine. Yeah, it, it's yeah. unfortunate. It, it, yeah, yeah. 
That's why I don't think anybody's really coming. And if they do, you should get yeah. attorney. But Mountain Dew shelter. Could you picture like though, like some smaller companies, right? And who let's say that the PCA decides to self-regulate. You can imagine some of the players that would be involved in coming up with these self-regulations. Mm. Could you picture like the bigger divide that this would cause in the industry? Oh, Holy. here they are. These guys are telling us what to do again, right? Right. This is not that's why I was like, this is not the answer, guys. And right. I guarantee you, the boutique cigar association people will be the first ones that be saying this. Right. So I, I can't quite understand gonna... that. Old com- I've been all over that comment for a reason because I just didn't think there was a lot of thought put into it when they did it. Oh, yeah. The big dogs will be stepping on the necks of little dogs. Yeah, that, that would happen. I, and I would want that to happen to them. And I think I don't think that's the answer either to have the big dogs making these rules. Right. So, so I would hope that when they had that, maybe I don't want to say that maybe they didn't put a lot of thought into it, but I would hope there would have been a lot of debate on that when when that happened because. Unless you're, and here's the other thing: Are the big dogs gonna listen to the little dogs? No, no, they're gonna laugh. Oh, I mean, no. I mean, it's unfortunate, but that's what's gonna—they're gonna laugh. So this is not—that's—that's that's why I've been self-regulation. I just kind of go back. I don't think it's the answer. What a good, I don't think it, it would have a good panel. Yeah, but going back to these memos and op-eds, this is great discussion. This is dialogue. This is yeah what the industry needs. And I, and I would love to see the PCA or some other organization create an environment an event, uh, uh, something where there could be open, honest, good dialogue about not only this uh, issue, uh, but any other issue. You want to Garrett hundred percent. Right. And look, if they don't have a seminar on this at like the day before the show starts, shame on them. This is a perfect. They have. They're gonna have perfect an example of where it should be. See, the thing is, it's should... gotta be. It's gotta be somebody else. Like, seriously, like <clears throat> the PCA. I don't think has the whatever. Yeah, grab a toss, whatever you want to call it. They don't Street have bread. that. You don't, want, you, you don't. You gotta. You can't have Scott. Briggs but even then, it doesn't you really matter. Yeah. I don't think it matters who it is because this industry is it. Just the the people that are in it. The personalities. The, the uh, nationalities, the lineage going back, like it's it's in their blood that they can't listen to each other, right? The ego. So the yeah. ego. yes, the egos. Yeah. It's yeah. like if anybody says we want to do something together, the first thing that everyone of of them is saying is like, "All right, I'm going to go along with this to figure out what the loopholes are for me, mm-hmm. or I'm just going to go listen to this so that I know what I can do outside of what they're doing or whatever it is, right? Yeah. So there, it just like I say, you know, what's going to happen is like, you know, they're going to mess around and whatever for a while. And then if the FDA decides it's time, then they come in and they'll, they're going to let you know what's going to happen. Uh, and then you just have to deal with it then. Yeah. But yeah, it's just, it's, it's a, such a small group, you know, that has so, so much history with, you know, everybody, you know, everybody has these people that they already don't like. And if they get involved and they're like, all right, I'm not involved anymore, all that stuff. So I just don't, I just don't see it. And I don't think the PCA needs to, you know, step into some of these other areas where, you know, they already don't have enough kind of foothold on stuff and yeah. things like that. Like they really need to like just fix what they've already got before they start rolling out to other areas. You know, I just don't yeah. think that they got, you know, and here in there, and that's a great point, but here's the yeah. other thing, like technically PCA is still primarily a retail organization, right? Right. So now you're going to start telling your retailers what you can or can't. Well, sell. look, if there's when anybody it, when- that could solve the problem, it's the retailers, right? That's it. Yeah. They just don't buy it. Yeah. There's ever a group of people that aren't going to solve that problem. It's the retailers. Yeah. 
Well, if it sells. Exactly. But if you, if as a retailer, you're saying, this is not going to be good yeah. for us in the long run. I don't think it's a good idea. And you don't buy it. Obviously, your competitor is going to do it. Right. They'll sell it. But like I said, if everybody's on the same team, like if, if this was a real, if this was a real problem that they said we we need to solve it, this could be solved in in less than a week. Like this problem could be solved in less than a week. But yeah. it's not going to happen because they can't work. To, nobody can work together to do it. So, yeah, let's let's have morals as we uh, get the rolled up dried leaves from the third world country. Right. Yeah. To, exactly. Okay. Right. All right. Exactly. Sounds good. Yeah. Well, especially we've got more and more manufacturers that are going direct to consumer now too. Yeah, hundred percent. Yep. Mm. So and how do you police and, that? And bigger companies are doing it. Yeah. Yeah. That was always their plan. Always. That was always their plan. I don't doubt the, the retailers. Yeah, the Rothschilds and the, <clears throat> the fiat currency yep. and never, the, the Vatican. <laughs> yeah. Vatican. Illuminati. Macedonian hackers. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I just, yeah, because I think, yeah, I mean, I think we beat the self-regulatory thing to death. You know, I go back to Garrett's point again about having having the conversation. Uh, you know, I, I think I'm curious to see what the PCA's plans are between now and the trade show. In terms of they talked about those going to be, I guess, focus groups or interviews and they're going to be talking to people. So I'm curious to see what steps we see in the next four months lead, or three and a half months now leading up to the trade show. What about like a tournament of champions, like ultimate fighting CEOs of each company kind of fighting it through? And then the last man standing gets to decide. I like two that. Man, you know, yeah. we, we two can do men a Frank, enter. Fra- Frankie goes to Hollywood. Yeah, Frankie goes to Hollywood. The two tribes battle. You, you yes. do that like in the music yeah. video. That's like Thunderdome. We can put some songs. <laughs> in shit. Yes. Amazing. Yeah. At the bare minimum, what was that uh, MTV uh, claymation? Show? Oh, uh, celebrity, oh death death celebrity, celebrity death match. Celebrity death match. Yes. Yeah. Hundred percent. Bare minimum. That needs. Bare minimum. That would be cool. Yeah. Like uh, that would be interesting. Yeah, I think I think at the end of the day, you're probably going to be more effective if a lot of these conversations happen privately. That is, you know, a manufacturer has a one-on-one face-to-face conversation with someone, you know, and, and there isn't the limelight. There isn't the article to say, hey, man, like, you know, I saw that you did this. I understand why you're doing that. You know, can we talk about this? And like Garrett yeah. said, have that conversation so that all this public bravado nonsense isn't a part of that. I think that's probably a far more effective way to attack it. Mm. But it, at the end of the day, you know, I don't, I don't know if it was Mike that said it, but if it sells, it sells. And, 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 you know, at the end of the day, you know, these are, these are all businessmen. They're just trying to get a nut. They're squirrel trying to get a nut mm-hmm. and uh, people don't want to get denied that nut. So it's going to be a very I tough like the idea. The problem with that is it lacks accountability when the conversation is out in the open or semi-open there's more accountability. And I think there's more of a, um, um, wanting to come towards the middle more, but then you're expecting everybody to be honest and open. And as I would say that everybody on this panel knows when you interview specific people, you're like, God, he is just so full of shit. hundred percent because yeah, he's out. I get, of it. I get it. So, but without I mean, accountability, those closed door meetings, I agree 100%. Well, and it, but the term, the, just the word accountability denotes a line. It denotes a standard mm-hmm. and everybody's got their own standard. But at the same time, 
I agree with you that yeah. when it comes to accountability, even though you may have your own standard personally as a business owner, you know, some pr person who says, I'm going to brand this product in this particular way, that's their standard. But the accountability piece comes into it when if, if you can directly trace that that was adversely a problem for the industry as a whole when it comes to speeding up regulations, you know, you, you, you have to personally say, okay, that's on me that I, I added that I poured gasoline on that fire. Yeah. That'll yeah. never happen. Uh, I, that's my personal opinion yep. is you, we each yeah. have to be account personally accountable and say, and, and be, be just brutally honest with ourselves when we evaluate ourselves and say, okay, that that's on me. I, I know that I'm the one who, who sped that, car down the track faster than it maybe would have gone if I would have mm -hmm. made a different choice. Yeah. 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 And that person is risk day. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't care. And, by the he, way. And he really, yeah, he really yeah, doesn't. No. He's, he is, he is like the most independent thinker I mm -hmm. think I've ever known. hundred percent. Yeah. He's a good yeah. dude. He is a hundred percent. He is, he is incredibly loyal and, and, you know, to his, to his own edict and his own family and his own people. And he, he, he is unapologetic. Yep. And in a way I, I, I respect that a lot. Mm -hmm. I it's don't agree with every fight, decision you know. he makes, but I, I respect his, his game a lot. Yeah, but like you know, with the I don't know what he does with the facial hair. Like sometimes it's trimmed, <laughs> it's confusing. It's the, um, he's got the I Amish. would like to see the facial hair be more consistent. You know, one right. one marketing strategy for the beard, just yes, <laughs> scraggly or trim, just one direction. Pick one. If it's yeah. too yeah. clean, I feel like it's marketing the children, and yeah. I'm not. There you go. Yeah. yeah. So, right. So, right now, he's going full horse-drawn carriage. Yeah. yeah, he's going for Amish. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you know. Uh, by the way, Rusty is in the chat. Um, so thanks, Rusty. <laughs> <laughs> you know, How um, would he not be in this chat? Are you kidding me? Uh, we normally don't see him here. That's why I'm just saying. If you say his name three times in yeah. the mirror. <laughs> right, right. So, but here's an interesting thing that happened, right? So this kind of, there was, you know, the, the, the manifesto, as it's being called, the, the, the Charlie's manifesto, um, <laughs> it kind of took like on a life of its own. And Brian from Pravada got involved with this. And uh, here, here was my thing. And, and Brian was upset on a lot of things in there. But do you think that Brian actually, I don't know, did he kind of maybe take it too personally? Because here's the thing I'll say about 100%. It. 100%. When you call somebody a skank, you took it personally. Yes. Because, here, <laughs> right? because when, I, when, I, when I read what Charlie said, <coughs> there was nothing in there that hadn't been said before. We talked a lot about those things on our show with him. And, and, and Mike, you did too. Yeah. So, I kind of wonder if he kind of looked at this from his area to be disrupt and kind of push things he wanted to do based on, because again, I didn't think it singled out Pravada at all. I didn't think it singled out Pravada. I think, I think he just didn't feel like he was the prettiest girl in the room anymore. Cause Riste was the prettiest girl in the room. And he, you know, he's like, Hey, what about, what about me? You're talking about Riste. You got to talk about me again. And you know, his name wasn't mentioned. So he got upset. No, I mean, the, the, the thing is, you're going to have that. You're going to have the, yeah. the small club cigar releases. So, you know, that's one aspect that we haven't even touched on is like, how do you how do you control? How do you uh, 
how do you tell a small cigar club or a medium-sized cigar club that they can't put cigar bands unless you're going to go to Epson and tell them they can't print out uh, cigar bands on an inkjet printer. Good luck. Good luck regulating that. Well, and it goes back to what Aaron says. It's, it's the retailers. If, it, <laughs> if eventually there's enough retailers that say, I'm not going to sell this product, then they're going to have a hard time making their nut every month right, to right. make it worth it. Well, you know, say what you want about Brian. And I know opinions may vary about this guy. Um, there's one thing that nobody can say shitty about him is the fucking guy knows what he's doing when it comes to marketing. And if you mention his name, he's going to capitalize. And sure, that's what sure. he did. That's what he that's did. What yeah. Did. And, you did. Know, and and where there's that much success so quickly, there's going to be haters that, that, right. follow. It, it you know, got to give credit on that, you know, I, and I, I do, I give credit where credit is due when it comes to the fact that he can, he can close, and he can move product. I'll tell you right now, if somebody said something about Cigar Hustler in that, and it was just a blip or something about Postania, you goddamn right, it'd be all over my podcast. I'd be talking about, <laughs> I'd be video, and you know, it'd be like, they were, this is about me. I don't care about anybody else, you know, of course. Yep. You know, but if I was, but if I was able to sit down and just have a conversation with Brian, his, in my, and this is, again, this is my opinion everybody's opinions vary my opinion was his reaction and the the way he went about reacting to it publicly i wouldn't have done that and i don't necessarily think he did himself any favors by reacting the way that he did i disagree um, I, I, I think i think it plays perfectly into the marketing strategy that he's built um that the the counterculture kind of concept of of what his club is is you know the the best way to create a really tight marketing group is to say everybody's out to get us let's all band together you know i'm out here for you nobody else is out here for you i mean it's it's we it's fantastic marketing I, what, you, what happens when you get a bad yeah. review you, 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 know, you move on. no you, you, you start your own review groups no you start a, yeah. put now this one's for you mike this is other company this one's for you mike i, I got I this i got this 70 i got this 74 from these guys and then yeah. everyone comes in well, they don't know what they're talking about. You know, they're, they're messed up. They have no, you know, that that's how you do it. it, it we've seen yeah. it happen over and over I mean, again. That is exactly how I feel about developing college. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 you know, touching on that, I mean, we see that because, you know, we, we have, we have feelers out in a bunch of different cigar groups. We see a lot of different manufacturers do that. They have their own little cigar groups and they say, I'm just going to share this review where I got a, I got an 81. What do you guys think about this? And it's a great way to stir up your fan group. Every fan group of a, of a cigar brand gets up in arms when, you know, their favorite cigar doesn't get the, the 95 or 105 or whatever the, yeah. <laughs> whatever this point scoring system is these days. And, it, it, you know, it's not just Brian. We see that from lots of different manufacturers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, that, I would also comment on the fact that I feel personally on a retailer aspect that I'm seeing more boutiques start to pop up. And feel the same way. They're like, you know what? Uh, we're going to go against mainstream and, you know, we're going to stick it to the man. Like, that's kind of their approach. And I'm like, okay, that's good. I, you know, I, I appreciate the enthusiasm. Now make a good cigar and market it well. And then, then, then we could talk. But, you know, I'm starting to see that kind of that shift in, in the industry. And that's more of the common than it was, you know, I don't know, even two or three years ago. But the thing is, there is no man in the cigar industry. 
like the, the cigar the cigar industry is going against the man like and yeah, i understand that people want to say that not everybody's yeah. on the same page i get it and there's younger smokers and there's older smokers and there's people who have been smoking for a long time and people that are new to smoking like there's always those little kind of clicks within any, any group sure but it's not like i mean nobody, as a, there's as nobody that's of- out you know, out to get anybody else in regards. I don't to know, life. man. I've had some crazy experiences, and I get, I get, I get it. With, I understand some of the, you know, retailers and brands and stuff like that. I get that, but like, uh, you know, I look. I agree with you. Brian seems like a pretty nice guy most of the time. Uh, he's a great marketer. He does a good job with the club, um, but you know. The people that buy into the raw raw stuff, that's like the lowest common denominator, right? Like for people that have, I don't know, an IQ above 85, like you gotta see through all, all that shit at some point because like you can't just like you can't be that basic, right? You gotta be able to say, like, bro, I've tried some of these cigars. They're I can buy you know, cigars the same that are the same quality for half the price, not in the club. Like for, for being as cynical as you are, Aaron, I don't think you've spent enough time in the service industry to really recognize no, just I, I how bad it no, is look, out there. We, we talk about this all the time, John. Like, why is Bud Light like the most, you know, the most number popular, one selling beer in America, the most yeah. popular beer in the world? Like, yeah, people don't fucking have, know what good taste is. Like, that's the like, it's yeah. the bulk of people that are like that, and that's the way it works. Like, that's the way it but, works. Like, it's you know it's or like if you put shiny gold tinfoil on the bottom of a cigar there you go it doesn't make it any better it does yeah it it you're covering something up here we are (laughs) well and and one of the things here we are as as far as like the (laughs) like if we're if we're talking about legacy brands and legacy styles of marketing and 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 presentation versus newer uh boutique brands and cigar clubs and and their their methods of presentation and branding i've seen this phrase or this sort of sentiment that's been thrown around a lot especially recently with this whole thing that because people there are a lot of people who are genuinely worried that the fda is going to use this as a fast track to get shit done against the cigar industry they should be worried they should be worried and i don't necessarily disagree with that but here's the thing that i'm seeing too much of lately and this is sort of my my kumbaya coming out in me is that there i've heard this this sentiment from both sides and if there are only two sides i'm just make you know for the sake of this argument is i've heard this sentiment you're either with us or you're against us and here's the ironic part, because you would think that's a phrase that's going to be uttered by the rebels. But I've heard that more from the legacy big brand people that I have from the small brands. The small brand people are like, just let me live, bro. Just let me do my just let me let me do my company and let me right. let me be creative in my company. And from the bigger legacy brands, I've heard more often the whole you're with us. You're either with us or against us. And I think that that particular sentiment is counterproductive to where the industry and the community as a whole wants to be. Let, let your product be the differentiator. And if you have a good product, it will differentiate. You don't need to do that. Like supply and demand will dictate that. People, they'll demand your product if it's a good product. 
feel like I mean, it will, politician, so, you know, attorney, my goodness. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I mean, I, I come from a, obviously a unique perspective because, you know, Canada is on the 15, 20 year um, lag of the United States. And, you know, I've been in the cigar industry now, the media for 10 plus years. And so I come from a place where all of this has already transpired. And I've already watched all this play out. It played out a long time ago. And I'm, and I'm watching this slowly play out in the States. I mean, 10 years ago, people were like, well, there'd, there'd never be any cigar bans in Texas. Well, guess what? There's, there's smoking bans all over Texas. There's never going to be cigar bans in Florida. Well, guess what? There's cigar bans all over Florida. You hey, can't smoke on beaches. Don't you attack anymore. my state. It's a lawless <laughs> swamp down here. No, <laughs> Whatever go, we want. Go, go light up on a beach. You can't light up on a beach anymore. Yes, you can. You can light <laughs> cigars up on a beach. Those were exempt. Not New York. All right. But that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about is it's, 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 you know, I think that people expect that this, this is something that's going to come in one large sweeping legislation. And right. I keep sort of hammering that drum of that's not how it works. It's a death by a thousand cuts. Yeah. And they start out with, okay, you're exempted. You're exempted. Okay. Now the exemption gets pulled back a little bit because you know wow there's kids on beaches we don't want them you know to to have cigar smoke and then okay we're just going to do lounges and bars well we don't want people drinking and smoking so now it's just lounges and that's that's how that that restriction just keeps getting eat back a little right. bit at a time yeah you're right yep. so they want their pound of flesh yep. so i'll th i'll throw this out there is that one of the things that was said recently is these these bands are coming no matter what so i'm just going to do what I'm going to do right. until the bands come. What, how do you guys, how do you guys feel about a, se a sentiment or a thought process like that? What are your thoughts on that? Let the, let the industry what? die, man. I mean, they're not oh, making good cigars yes! anyway. So let, right. let yes! it fucking exactly. yes! <laughs> I mean, I, I sit there. I'm like, is that really uh, the answer? I mean, okay, it's coming, so I'm just gonna do it anyway. You know what? No, I don't think until that somebody slapped my hand, I'm gonna do what I want to do, right? I don't think that that. I mean, you know, I think that there has to be uh, a point in the industry where everybody says, you know what, enough is enough, and if you can't back this, then you're gonna have to fucking deal with it. And you know, and I think that that's really kind of where, yeah. where, where we're getting to. It's like, okay, we can't stop them, so I mean, so we better figure out what we're going to do to address it when it comes to legalities. You know, I agree. I, I mean, it, it was very, it was very quick when fucking they went after Drew estate and they were talking about acids and infused and everybody's like, Whoa, 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 we don't want anything to do with you. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, and you're going to make these, they were going to make them the whipping post. And you know what? I have my opinions about that company sometimes, but the fact of the matter is that they shouldn't have been outed. They shouldn't have been set out on their own while you guys are, you know, because you have infused cigars. That that's not right. So, you know, I feel like this is kind of compiling to, hey, you know what? Fuck you. We're going to do whatever we want. You better prepare for it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I'm with you. And that's how it should be. It's that line between allowing companies to be creative and and interesting and different and edgy. Right. Versus and versus versus actively playing a role in taking the whole industry down with you. Right. And it's scary There's, shit. Don't get me wrong. Absolutely. Yeah, you're 100% yeah. right. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, absolutely. But, but I agree with the Aaron Loomis mindset of, you know what? Fuck it. If you're going to try, you, you're going to either A, take the whole fucking thing or, you know, 
we're going to be holding hands and singing Kumbaya. Yep. Yeah, exactly. You're right. You guys are right. You know, we we talked about, you know, singling out and obviously Carlito got involved in this, right? Carlito Fuente. Mm -hmm. And he's had a very strong opinion on this. But I'm just kind of curious. I want to throw this out to everybody. Why has no one come to Carlito's defense? Like saying, I'm with you, Carlito. Where, where, where are all the other people? And I think it's a fair question to ask right now. I think, again, it's the same scenario where, you know, the, who, the guys that are, you want to back, they all want to take each other down, man. Yeah. They always do. They don't, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. as soon as there's blood in the water, they're like, oh, he's this, this one's drowning. Let's see. Let's, let's grab the popcorn and see how that, that goes. You know, it's like, it's always kind of been that way. You yeah. know, I'm not saying that it's right. I'm just saying that it is. So, right. you know, of course people should, should have opinions and say, Hey, look, man, you know, we've been, you know, competitors for, 30 40 50 years but you know i, I i'm with you on this right yeah mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. they don't because their egos fucking get in the way they always yeah. do yeah good point never let ethics get in the way of earning a dollar right i mean that's just ridiculous yeah that's true that's true and then um another point is did charlie go too far with this article is the question no, it was an editorial. He could do it every once. Bear keeps correcting me. It's an editorial. I, I don't know. Yes. Yeah, I think a lot of people miss that. It's like, uh, you yeah, know, the same, yeah. as, same as when I write an editorial. Aaron's like, okay, if you want to post that, that's your that's I've never your said position. that one time. No, no, no it's true. You never said time. that one time. It doesn't matter because I'll get blamed for it when I go visit people. Not it's you true. Guys. It's, it's great. I don't get <laughs> phone calls anymore. I, I, I go down to Florida and everyone asks me about your guys' reviews. Go, well, Aaron hosts a show with you. I'm like, I, okay. I, it wasn't even him that did this. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Listen, I think Charlie's been in the industry, covering the industry for a very long time. So, you know, it's interesting to see some of the reactions to his article, his editorial, um, because it, first of all, it is an editorial and he can he can say whatever he's wanting. He can be right and he can be wrong. I think there's parts of what he said that I disagree with, but ultimately it's his opinion and he's it's his yeah. site and he can write on his site whatever he wants. Yeah. Um, and, he's legally, surpri- and he's legally protected to do that, by the way. And he's legally you know, protected. Thank people goodness. don't realize in the U.S. he's protected on that, yes. Yeah. And, and in Canada. As long as, as long as he doesn't uh, throw in any slurs, he's okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, the one thing I think that I didn't see a lot was I didn't see a lot of people taking pause and stock and saying, you know, let's think about this. It seemed to be a lot of just reactionary commentary and like even in i saw his article shared on a whole bunch of different forums that have nothing to do with the industry so it was interesting for you know being in the industry to kind of see that commentary and kind of be a fly on the wall to watch that conversation take place and see how people were reacting to that and uh i did not see a lot of people taking stock and you know reflecting it was more just reacting to what he said because that's what our culture is right now that we are yeah. a reactionary culture we react before we really do any honest reflection going back to what I said earlier. And I'm going to beat this with a dead horse is conversation and honest dialogue. That is how we get to a better place. And I, I have, I have no issues with Charlie's editorial other than 
it just continues to feed the beast of reaction instead of fostering uh, good dialogue. Yeah, I think I agree, man. I think that it would have been he's entitled to his own opinion. But the, the fact of the matter is that you probably shouldn't have mentioned any names. You know, you probably yeah. just should have left it, you know, because, look, he's highly respected in this industry. You know, I consider him a friend. But, you know, you drop that bomb and you mention specific people, you know, I don't know. You know, I, he could have gone about it a different way. You know what I mean? You got to name names to be taken seriously. That's if you don't name talking, names. That's why I was going back to the thing with Rizzo people don't and take and you seriously. The right? thing. I, I, I understand that. Like yeah. I don't, and I don't, I don't blame Charlie for naming names. Um, I, I really don't have any direct issues with the editorial that he wrote, because again, an editorial is a pure opinion piece. Sure. This is what's happening. <clears throat> and this is, these are my opinions on, why it's happening, how it's going to affect the industry. And we also have to look at it from a different lens than Charlie looks at it because Charlie is very, Charlie and Brooks and, and Patrick and those guys, they are far more directly affected by adverse problems and, and downturns in the cigar industry than how about that cigar is, you know, this is a side hustle for us. This is, this is a, a, a hobby and a, and a, and a passion for us where for them, it's, it's their, it's their day job. Uh, hey, all right. But like, okay. So let's go ahead. Sorry. Matt, don't sell yourself short on that. Right. Because here's the thing. You're putting a lot of time into this too. Mm -hmm. just well, yeah, but yeah, I appreciate that. that, but, but yeah. I'm still, yeah. I'm still looking at it from the perspective where right. this is Charlie's mortgage payment. This is, you know, these, these guys, <laughs> The, these guys are, uh, I, and I look at that, and I genuinely look at it from this lens, where there are there are people in the cigar media business who are who are actually journalists, and I don't put myself in that category. I'm not a journalist. I consider the people at Half Wheel to be journalists. I consider Coop to be journalists. I think there are very few outside of that group that are actually journalists. And I don't say that disparagingly. I say it just because that's the way I, I measure what I see out in cigar media. And, and th these, these guys make their living doing what they do. And if there's a severe downturn in the, in this overall cigar industry as a whole, where sales dip by a significant margin, they're going to see their ad revenue decrease. And I, I respect the fact that that affects them in a real legitimate way. I can understand that. Yeah. So, I mean, personally, this is how I think it's really the right way to do it. Right. Is I would have left it without naming names, but as soon as a press release comes to you, right. I would reach out to Ristan and say, Hey, listen, man, you know, Hey, it's Charlie or whoever. So-and-so from some half wheel. Look, I can't write a press release about this product. And, and here's why, you know, I feel that this is the, or the wrong direction for the industry and I don't want to encourage it, you know, um, and whatever. I really wish you would reconsider what you're doing. Right. Like, I think that's the better approach, you know, uh, Aaron, I agree with you without naming names, you know, obviously, you know, that definitely has a track sequence. Right. But, you know, you drop that bomb, especially on a guy like Riste, day, you know, I just think that I would have handled it a little bit differently. You know, it, it, it helped her. It helped Riste day more than it hurt him. 
So I agree. You're, you're totally right about that. Totally, it, it, it did not hurt Riste at all. No. Okay, so did, so did Charlie fucking get his point across by doing it the way that he did? Well, he did we're get his point across. He, he did get his point because he killed two birds with one stone. Riste got what he wanted. Yep, by the and, press, right? And Charlie got what he and Charlie wanted. got what he wanted yeah. by being able to like that was because you know Charlie needed that something to put him over to finish this article, right? He had already wrote written up whatever he had written up, or I think that's what he said in the article. And this yeah. was kind of like this is the one I got to sit down, I got to finish this thing and get it out. So two things worked out. Like r- nobody, Riste's factory didn't shut him down. He he sold more of the bags of munchies than he would have sold if he didn't if Charlie didn't write the article. Mm-hmm. Um, There's nothing that's bad occurred from it. Brian got another video out. Brian sold more. Like it didn't hurt any of the brands that were mentioned in the article. Like it was positive for them. You know. And what about the handful of retailers? Like, no, I'm not buying this. Just marketing to kids. Now that I've read that article, I, you, I think you give me a retailer name that said that. And I'll maybe say that and, you're right. And I guarantee you there's another retailer that said that. Yeah, I don't think you I'll, I'll I'll pick up that guy's allocation. Name that said that. I so, guarantee you there's a retailer that said, give me that guy's allocation. Yeah, I, I, think, exactly. I think that's true because I, exactly. I think yeah. Aaron's right that, that the number of retailers that made a conscious decision to say, I'm not going to carry those products anymore, yeah. are, I think that's a small list. It doesn't, yeah. the list doesn't there exist. Are, there are some, but I guess, yeah, but I guarantee that there were people saying, give me more. Well, and yeah, while yeah. I was at Ristafari, I got, three messages from people in my area who are like, I want some of the cigars people are shitting on, you know, <laughs> for no, other it worked reason, out for everybody. Right? It worked out. Yeah. Hey, can you get, can you yeah. pick me up a bag while you're there? Yeah. yeah. yeah that yeah. We, we got tons of those. We mules, yeah. A lot of yeah. those back yeah. here. And, and anytime somebody writes an editorial, <laughs> it's up to the reader to internalize that and then make their own decision on it. Right. Like if somebody's reading it and saying, this is the opinion I need to sit on, then the reader's got a problem, right? So, and we have a lot of those people in our, in society and that's just the way it works. Obviously you can tell by the political climate, but um, you know, it's an editorial. They can, it's a, it's just an opinion. It's, It's you know, it's, if you heard a guy saying talking like this in the cigar shop, you could either sit down next to him and be like, I want to hear more of this. Or you could say, I'm taking my cigars home and smoking them there. I don't want to sit next to this asshole. Right. So it's no different. Like, nobody's forcing anybody to read it nobody's forcing anybody to agree with it it's just it's just opinion piece it, it's no different than a cigar review or anything like that like you know it's but we're not- also so going back to you know the the pca i feel like it touches on the same issue of creating an environment where we can talk about it um you know charlie's editorial i completely agree with you aaron that it was an editorial and it he's entitled to his opinion and Everybody won, essentially. You might be able to argue that it it may have drawn in negative attention to the industry, um, but I would love to see both media and um, representation, like the PCA or CRA, create environments where we can have dialogue. Where is that? doesn't exist yeah it doesn't, it doesn't. and does anybody does anybody really think that because like has been said a number of times it got good good attention for the people who were already fans of 
of the brands mentioned in the editorial and good attention for people who are already fans of of Charlie's editorials. And there are a lot of people on both those sides. Well, I think that just feeds into what Garrett's saying is that it, it ends up being more divisive than than constructive, right? Which is kind of right. not the point. So then Charlie kind of failed. Well, Charlie made a bold move in because this was I, I can't recall a press release from a brand that Charlie didn't publish that that wasn't published by Half Wheel as an independent press release article. That this was yeah, in, this yeah. this was this was the one press release that was editorialized. That yeah, was yeah. editorialized. Yes. And that's where I agree with Risty when he believes that he was singled out because this was and, and the Pravada piece and the and and all that that's and the LCA piece that's di- that's different because that wasn't sparked by a particular press release from Brian. But the JSK piece that was in the editorial was sparked by a press release about a new product coming to market. Right. Yeah, and that's I, the I, first time I can recall a press release basically turning into the meat of an editorial. Right. Yeah. I mean, because essentially he put the whole thing in there. So you, you yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and I think, it, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, just quickly, I mean, the t- there's kind of two different parts to that. One is, and I think Mike hit the nail on the head, is that once you name names, I think you probably have a bit of a responsibility uh, at that point to show numerous examples. And like I said, Charlie could easily have put 15 or 20 different examples of different manufacturers on there. And I think that probably would have been wise if you're going to name one person to show a, a wide myriad of the stuff we've seen just over the last couple of years. But I think that is where your message gets lost. And I think if it was my editorial and I, it's not, but I would have left that off and I would have dealt with that as a separate piece to say here at half wheel, like you said, we're going to not post uh, marketing messages or, um, or release information that we believe goes into this territory. We're doing this because we believe that's a responsible thing to do for Scar Media. We're going to reach out privately to those brands. We're not going to say who we're not caring. We're simply going to tell them directly, hey, we're not posting that release and deal with that sort of as a secondary issue. And you could probably have written a second editorial to say, here to Half Wheel, we are no longer carrying um, messages and marketing that we believe fall into this territory. And, and it's completely you know, up to us to decide what that is, but we're going to decide that uh, and that, again, moves that message away from targeting one individual brand or even a number of different brands and just says a blanket statement of this is this is sort of the direction that we're taking. And I think that that allows that conversation to happen versus, you know, picking on risk day. Right. See, I have, I have an issue with that. Yeah, I was going to say Aaron's shaking his head. I want to know what he's thinking about. I post I, I posted the press release. And the reason I posted the press release is because it was Scar News. And if you are a Cigar News entity, you are posting that information. Uh, it's not really your decision on what's news and what's not news. If it's of that nature, like imagine if like CBS wasn't going to talk about, talk about the war in Ukraine, right? Like imagine like, "Ah, that's not good. I don't want to imagine if Fox said something nice about Democrats. Yeah, exactly. You know, something like that. So, I mean, like (laughs) the cigar, uh, half wheel says they are the, you know, the the blog of the industry. Right. So if you're posting that news, you you got posted it's news. It's a cigar release. That's, that's what you do. Like, if you're going to start, if you're going to start like picking and choosing, then there's an issue. 
the reason I posted it is because it's news and it, it was, you know, I felt, I, I understand like, look, this package looks like fucking candy. Like, you know, let's, let's call it what it is. Like, right. there's no way you look at that. I, I saw, I saw a risk days interview on Dojo and he's like, you know, you know, Eric's like, <laughs> Eric's like, uh, ace, uh, ace Rothstein in, in casino. Like when he's at the, at the trial, it's like, at least, at least admit I was at the dinner. Can you give me that much? Like Eric's just trying <laughs> yeah. to get him to say like, does this look like candy or something that a kid would pick up? Like a hundred percent. If a kid saw that right. table, they're going for it. Like there's, there's no question. No, I don't care what Risty said. A hundred percent. If a kid sees that on the, on the dining room table, they're going for that bag. But well, regardless, counties too. I wanted to post it as news because I felt like it's going to get more attention from the industry if people post it than if they don't post it. If they don't post it and nobody ever sees it, then it didn't happen to the guys that didn't see it. And no, they got to no, see it, man. But, but, no one said anything, but no one said anything to you for 72 hours. You had that out Saturday afternoon. We're all at the Great Smoke, and it was out. Yeah, everybody's at the Great Smoke. I posted no it No one said a word nobody about it. Nobody said a word. Nobody said a word. So Charlie so. put this out. Yeah. But didn't yeah. Charlie also say moving forward he's probably not going to yes, promote anything? Right. So, but, like, like uh, that's not – now you're – you're not the industry's blog anymore. Like you've, Maybe. you've said that you're that's not point. like, you're not. Yeah, that's a fair point. I did. Sharing. A fair point, Aaron. Yeah. So like, I mean, like if you same like if you're doing cigar reviews, if you say, I'm not going to do reviews from this company, unless you have a really legit reason, like the dude had sex with your wife. Uh, he's a you know, you child still molester. Cover that story. You still cover that story. Like something like that. Unless that something like that happened. Like, and you say, you're not going to like, you're not a cigar reviewer. Like you don't review. Well, cigars like so so well, let me let me I mean, ask if a, if a guy's gonna accuse really the wife's fault at that point well, not the, <laughs> yeah, not. If, if a guy's gonna accuse me of of, of saying of, of false information saying i ratted him to the phillies i'm not gonna publish anything on his job exclusive <laughs> but that's something you gotta you gotta i do. have to draw a line there i mean, no, you know, no. that's, a, that's calling Man, somebody no. calling you a rat you deal with well, that it is, the street. It is a you very good point. The blog. Right. so 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 let me let me ask this so <laughs> if, if i didn't i didn't catch that section of charlie's article and i i read it a few times so i'm surprised to miss that but so if charlie said that in an article let me ask this and i'm going to fire some shots across the bow here did he post the article of jc newman's uh exclusive release with pravada yes right. Right. He did. he did. So in my opinion, now I'm not an editor, uh, an editor at half wheel. Yeah. In my opinion, I 100% believe that that package could be 100% construed towards being marketed towards kids. Cause it looks to me like a power bar or a candy bar, or a chocolate bar in the, in the packaging. Yes. So that's a, that's a perfect example of something that could be within that confines of, could it be reasonably considered from an outsider to be marketed towards yeah. kids? hundred percent. That's a perfect apples to apples comparison, yep. in my opinion. Yep. It was that oh, was half wheel going to be the new Infowars of cigar media. Wikipedia. Where's my tinfoil hat? Yeah. <laughs> at, at PCA, we all need to bring Charlie a tinfoil hat then. That's just the way <laughs> if, he get, if he gets like seven of them, then he's going to know something's up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, uh, you know, that's interesting. That's an interesting point you guys make on the, uh, the J.C. Newman release, John, the, the ironic thing is um, J.C. Newman said nothing about that collaboration, which I thought was very, you know, you hear collaboration, normally it's two parties and both parties talk about it. They said nothing about that. It, that told me a lot right there. I mean, Brian was out there himself doing that thing. And, I, and, and look, I'm not, I'm not criticizing him for that. That's certainly something he was going to sell. And then he's doing his job, to, right. you know. 
Casey Newman said nothing on that. And I was like, that's yeah, they should have supported him on it if they were doing it. If, if it was a true collaboration or say, hey, if it's not a collaboration, say it wasn't a collaboration. Say, look, yeah. we, you know, that was their project. We, we gave them some cigars that they wanted to use and say it that way. Yeah. That ends bad for Newman. You know, that's the first and last one for them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. If that yeah. was the case. Yep. All right. Anything else we want to talk about responsible marketing? That was the first of the two big topics I want. It'll, it'll probably come up again in the greater, larger topic that's coming later. I think. Only an hour and a half. We got one topic down. I think the whole. No, there's, there's one other big one, two smaller ones. Uh, so I'm going to do a quick commercial read, and then we can kind of get into the next segment here. Um, so first, I want to mention Tailored Smoke, located in the heart of downtown Charlotte's epicenter, and now outside the Charlotte Motor Speedway in Concord, North Carolina. Tailored Smoke is your one-stop shop for a tailored smoking experience. And by Jerry Tobacco, the authentic Perot leaf is one of the most robust and flavorful tobacco leaves out there. During the golden age of cigars of Cuba, it would leave the choice to make some of the world's greatest cigars. Because it is one of the most challenging ones to cultivate, it fell out of favor by the 1990s. In the Hamastron Valley in Honduras, Julio Aroa took on the challenge of growing Corojo from the original seeds. And in 2000, he successfully reintroduced authentic Corojo back to the market. With over 50 years' experience in the tobacco business, from growing and curing tobacco to scar production, the JRA Tobacco Farm has been able to continue to deliver products to market with authentic Corojo. Now with JRA Tobacco, Holiness and Husto bring their very own brand to market, each containing the authentic Corojo leaf. Aladino is available in 100% authentic Corojo Puro, San Andreas Maduro, Ecuadorian Connecticut Shade, Cameroon, Urbano Wrapper, representing the golden age of cigars from 1947 to 1961. Now available at your dealer, be sure to ask for Jerry Tobacco. Legacy is tasted in every drawer. And by Corona Cigar Company. At Corona Cigar Company, they take pride in the fact that they are cigar fanatics just like you. That's why you will find the best selection of the rarest and finest premium cigars available anywhere in the world. Plus, we have special limited edition cigars available exclusively to Corona Cigar Company from famous international cigar makers. Corona Cigar Company, the best cigar selection, best customer service, and money-saving discount prices. But don't just take our word for it. Forbes Magazine said the Corona Cigar Company is best of the web. Corona Cigar was voted top five internet cigar retailer by Smoke Magazine. And Cigar Aficionado wrote, Corona Cigar Company, the largest, best stock cigar shops in America. Place an order online at www.coronacigar. Visit one of Corona's four central Florida superstores and cigar bars and see for yourself why Corona Cigar Company is the ultimate cigar experience. And finally, I want to mention uh, Aganorsa Leaf again. Uh, this month uh, on Cigar Coop, we are highlighting uh, the Aganorsa experience and the validation process. And this month, we featuring um, the Lunatic line, uh, which is a line of unusual Vitolas um, done uh, under the Aganorsa Leaf umbrella. Uh, you can go to the sidebar in Cigar Coop, click click on that sidebar, and you'll find a video by uh, Mr. Validation himself, Terrence Riley, going through the lunatic line. All right, back here, guys. Um, so the second topic um, of the big topics I mentioned, too, uh, was the National Academy of Sciences and Engineering, NASM, the study that came out, the long-awaited study that came out. Um, and uh, I think there was a lot of good information. I have John's like fired up on this piece tonight. Um, but let's kind of just kick it off real quick and then we kind of get into it. Was this study uh, a win for the cigar industry or not? Because I've heard, you know, it's kind of a mixed bag I've heard with this. Not. Well, I think this, I think the study itself is irrelevant if it doesn't get into non-consumer hands. Like it, it, it's a great flag for everybody who waves the cigar flag. Um, but 
unless that information gets out into the general public and it's, it's known, I don't think it means much. Hmm. You know, I thought very interesting, Garrett. Now I'll get everyone else's opinion. I didn't see any of the, I didn't see the CRA or the PCA while they did issue statements afterwards. There was no one saying, people, you need to be on this Zoom call, no matter who you are. I saw no messaging on that. Mm-hmm. And I think that was a miss. Because I right, 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 Garrett, because people didn't know about this. That's and right. unfortunately, the way they read about it was through some of us, which were more opinionized on it. Yep. So it's so a good point. I didn't mean to cut you off but, uh, or oh. anyone else off, but I want to get that point in. I want to hear Aaron's take on this before I talk. I already said I didn't, and I we obviously you don't listen to our show, Mike, because you would have heard my uh, opinion about it uh, two weeks obviously. ago. Obviously, <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, it, like I said, it doesn't. Um, like it, it's it's so like unresearched data almost that they provided. It doesn't make any kind of real difference. Like they still, you know, they still say like you know, cigars are as bad for you as cigarettes. Like, all right, that's. That's kind of bullshit, but uh, go with it if you're scientists. Um, but uh, you know, it, the FDA is not using this for any kind of guidance. Like they're going to do what they're going to do. It doesn't matter what this study said or didn't say. So that's that. That is, you took the words right out of my mind. The, the FDA is going to do what they're going to do. That's a hundred percent right, yeah. no matter what. Good. And I, I wasn't, I wasn't trying to be nasty to you, Mike. I was just joking with you. No, you're good. See, oh, John's being much nicer than me. He's going to be on the podcast next week. Right. So. John? Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I listened to, uh, I watched about, I think it was about nine and a half hours worth, and I can't believe I did this, but I, I watched and listened to about nine and a half hours worth of their sessions because they're all publicly available. Um, and it was interesting. It was interesting for me to sort of be a fly in the wall and watch their discussion process. Um, I think it illustrated a lot of things that we already knew to be the case, which is, um, you know, these are people who, you know, you you can say what you will. These are highly educated um, specialists in their field and collectively amongst them, they don't know the first thing about cigars. And to their credit, they do admit that they don't know the first thing about cigars. And, you know, consistently, I think one of their findings was, and I think it is good for the industry in a way they said, look, um, you keep lumping cigars, premium cigars into this category, this broader category. And there's two problems with that. One, you, you know, I think they started out with a concept of saying, well, premium cigars isn't really its own specialized category. And I think interestingly, by the end, they realized, well, actually, okay, it is actually its own specialized category. You can either qualify that based on usage patterns, which is very, very clearly established in the uh, 520 pages, not 521, 520 pages. Um, it, it, it very clearly points that cigars, premium cigars are a different category, both in usage and construction. Um, and so I think at the end, they kind of said, well, number one, it is because the usage patterns define that it is. And I think number two, there clearly isn't enough research on this specialist category. And it keeps getting lumped into this broader category of products that are used in a different way that really determines the you know health marketing and other impacts that are quote unquote being measured by the FDA. Um, so really across the board, a lot of their their recommendations were, you know, you guys don't know anything about this category because you're not controlling for it, you're not looking for it, you're not researching for it when you do 
um, these survey studies. Uh, there's no way that these people understand that this category exists. Nevertheless, you know, defining this as a specialized category. So a lot of the research that exists is kind of defunct because you're not controlling for that factor. So it's kind of meaningless. Um, so I think there is some, there is a, I mean, I've got like three pages of notes here. Um, there is a, there is a lot of valuable data, I think, for the cigar industry to use in their legislative and, and legal efforts against the FDA. And I think, uh, they would do well to uh, to basically use their own research against them. I think that would be a very powerful tool. Yeah, I agree. And I put the same thing in, in my notes about this, that if nothing else, it gives the PCA and their lobbyists and their lawyers actual hard data evidence from scientific organizations that denotes the the stark differences between premium cigars and other tobacco products. And that is a benefit in any way, no matter how you slice it, that's a benefit to us. So we, but now what the PCA and the lobbyists and, and the lawyers have to do is figure out the best way to utilize those tools to uh, continue preaching that message that there's a difference between one product and another. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I think that it's good to have that. I think FDA wanted that. I think FDA wanted to, to have something that says, Hey, this is different, right? Is it enough? No, but it's a step in the right direction. Right. You know, there's a, there's a lot more ground to cover. Um, I'd love to get their opinion on the munchies, but that's neither here nor there. Well, and isn't it interesting that over the past, I'll say five years, the FDA has spent a fair amount of money trying to put premium cigars in a corner and they've really failed every time they've tried. Nobody puts baby as, in the as far as, yeah, nobody puts baby in a the corner. They've, they have, they have never been able to fully qualify and lump premium cigars from a usage standpoint, a construction standpoint, or a, or a health effect standpoint into the same category as any other tobacco product. Well, let's be honest. The, the cigar industry has gotten lucky with some good judges because you know, one judge different, and that could have gone a different way on any of those calls. That's true. There well, have it, been. Well it, well, it actually already happened, though. You think about the Maryland judge kind of didn't really side with the scar industry, but finally, you know, that was able to be overruled. But it, right. it, yeah. we've seen it already. Yeah. yeah. The Maryland judge and Judge Mader kind of were not on the same page with that. Right. right. That's a good point. You're right. So that's a good point about the judges that, you know, Lucky Mader was, was doing that. Um, here's the thing I'll say about the PCA and I'll kind of, and I think Aaron and I talked about this a bit. Like, if you look at the one thing that the PCA and its predecessors, the IPCBR, they, they, the number one thing that they've been trying to do is, is what? Differentiate the definition of a, of, of a premium cigar. We still don't have a definition of it, by the way. It's amazing, but you know, we're, we're only 14 years into this now. <laughs> right? And we still have, and I find that's a funny story in itself, but I think, if you look at what it from that standpoint, that was 
I understand why the PCA was doing handstands on that one. Um, but I don't think it was a silver bullet because there's a lot of things that still have to come. But but that the PCA couldn't have asked for a better thing to happen in that report than that. That's Other true. than just saying the FDA is completely wrong. Because here's again, um, it's about getting this information out to the general public, lobbyists and and. Um, our congressmen and senators, they're voting based on their constituents. And unless we get that information out to the general public where there's this known fact that cigars are a different product, that they are consumed differently, that they are enjoyed differently, um, we're lumped in with all other tobacco products. We can love our product all we want and hooray, but unless the general public is on board as well, you know, it's, it's, uh, we're going to be Canada. Well, and we've, Ooh. we've found that most of the general, oh, no offense, John, but we've, <laughs> yeah, we found that most of the general public is, is, is completely apathetic. I mean, we all, yeah. all of us on this, on this, <clears throat> uh, call right now have friends and family who don't consume any tobacco tobacco products of any kind they don't give the first crap about premium cigars yep and when when they step into a voting booth they're not thinking about whether or not premium cigars are vastly and distinctly different from cigarettes they're it's not tobacco thinking. and they only think of tobacco as cigarettes exactly. no they don't usually not even clear that cigars even exist right right correct so it probably doesn't even enter their mind yeah yeah they just hear the word tobacco and we've said it a thousand times on our show. They hear the word tobacco and they think evil. That's it. Mm -hmm. yeah, I think that you're starting to see some progress in some, in certain regulations. I know that you talked about beaches and smoking in Florida, but you know, I know certain counties that have exemplified, if not the whole state, I'm not, you know, I don't yeah. fact anything, but um, I'm pretty sure that the whole state is exemplified as far as cigars, you know, it's like, well, yeah, no smoking cigarettes because of the butts and the sand and yada, yada, yada. But cigars are okay. Right? There, there have been. You're right on that. Yeah. Have, we have actually, and I've actually talked to Glenn and Josh about that, and I think they haven't. That hasn't gotten publicized well enough. But yes, I think it's and true. What yeah. would it take for a town hall to happen in some key cities? Mm -hmm. I would love to see that for our industry. I mean, I think I think part of the problem is, you know, <laughs> I'm laughing I, I came. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I came away from this. I came not away you, from Garrett, this. I'm, like, not laughing. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, I came away from this. And like I said, these are highly educated people. And like, despite, you know, all of this research that kind of proves a lot of the points of the cigar industry, a lot of the people in the panel still came away from, from this saying, well, we really don't think that cigars are that different from the greater tobacco slash cigar sort of portfolio, which, yeah. you know, so for people who aren't aware... I'm a data analyst. I've been a data analyst for a business analyst for a number of years. And I will say from a, from a data analytics perspective, if you look at the data they collected, the, the conclusions that they reached in a lot of these cases are just flat out wrong. I mean, they're just incorrect based on the data that they have available because the conclusions they reached go counter to the direct evidence or, or you know, part of this very strong statements that they make that say specifically premium cigars are consumed in a very different way than other cigar products. And as a result, almost certainly have a different health impact than other cigar products. And I was like, okay, so they're different products. And then they say, 
well, no, but they're probably the same as other tobacco products. And I'm like, but you just said, you just came to the realization that they're consumed in different ways, which is the direct cause of, of the health impact. So they can't possibly be the same. So I think it goes to show just how ingrained that sort of anti-tobacco message is. Yeah. And, and, and I worry, or at least I believe that, you know, trying to educate the average consumer, I mean, gosh, I, I, I think it's positive. I think any effort is, is a positive effort, um, but it's, man, is that going to be an uphill battle of, of epic proportions to try and educate the average person? I mean, I don't even know because they talked about recommendations for um, how some of the path studies should be changed to specify cigar brands to sort of uh, differentiate them uh, in the premium cigar category when they do these, these self-studies. And I think that's a positive move. Um, but, you know, I think the average person uh, doesn't, like you said, doesn't know the first thing about cigars and doesn't care um, so it's a it's a very very steep uphill battle to try and educate the uh, the average voter in America. Yeah, great point. Yep, yep, agree, agree on that. Um, yeah, the, can you uh, imagine if cigar consumers, you know, like ten percent of the population of your males, twenty five to fifty five, were cigar consumers? Like that'd make a huge difference in itself. Yep. What's the percentage? Like through two percent, three percent on the back? Yeah. So the 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 study came away, and I think it's probably a reasonable amount. Um, and this this actually tracks because um, uh, Dave Garofalo did a did an extra- extrapolation that actually matched this almost identical. Where he on a, one of his shows in past years said he tried to figure out kind of what the actual consumer market was of the general population of the states, and he came pretty close. So they said they believe that the premium cigar market is consistently 1.5 to 3% of the total cigar market, not tobacco market, but the actual cigar market. And I think that tracks pretty closely. Yeah. It's a low number. It's a very low number. Yeah. Of all, um, of all smokable tobacco products, premium hand-rolled cigars are 0.019%. Yeah, it's infinitesimal. So. Right, Aaron. Correct. <laughs> keep, keep making bad cigars, and that number will keep going down. Yeah. <laughs> Just remember that. Well, I mean, you know, I think the last two years has probably been a boon for the industry. You've probably seen a lot of a uh, lot of new smokers. There has been a lot of new smokers. There has been a lot. That's a good the quality's thing. gone down. It's like, how does that work? Yeah, quality has gone down, and and will most likely. Sorry if we're jumping ahead but will most likely continue to go down maybe you're just more jaded <laughs> that's true 100 percent. no i think i think if you had to smoke as many cigars as we do uh Wait, mike you probably would be jaded too mike oh i'm definitely year. jaded without question i'm part of the party. oh the last the last few months has been painful i mean yeah these these guys review so many cigars we can't even we can't even it, fucking it, carry their it. water but it, they, they, they know how many bad cigars are. They're not, they're not bad. They're just average. John, they're they're just, bad. They're just not average. noteworthy. John, they're bad. There's a lot of bad <laughs> cigars being put on the market in the last. In but the that's last. not, that's not what everybody that does interview says. Like nobody makes a bad cigar nowadays. Right. Like, hmm. I just reviewed a I cigar disagree. that was like <laughs> rated a 99 by someone. And it was an 88. <laughs> so, yeah, we uh, gave a, we gave a 70 something to a cigar that somebody else gave a, a 94. 
So I don't know where that it's, yeah, funny it's all about. It's all about personal. <laughs> oh, now I gotta go get trout. Now I gotta go get trout. Yeah, I mean, it, I think getting back to the uh, the NASM study there, I think you know some of the key takeaways were it was interesting that they uh, their their recommended definition because the FDA did ask them to try and define the premium cigar. I, I thought it was interesting that their definition was actually looser than. Uh, what we've seen out of the PCA and, and other trade organizations, certainly uh, quite a bit looser than what Altria released as a recommendation. It got roasted for uh, a number of years ago um, because they said, you know, filler composed of at least 50% of natural longleaf filler tobacco. And I think the current recommendation is 100% natural longleaf tobacco. Um, characterization of flavors seems to be um, kind of a, a big targeting point, not only just for how they're defining cigars, but I think that sort of rolls into what we're talking about at the top of the hour, which was marketing. And I think that's going to continue to be a target for the FDA is that, you know, they, they're going to continue to hammer that point home because I think it's a wedge issue where they can say that, look, we believe that um, number one flavor characteristics draw in new users, which, you know, again, if you, if you look at the data, if that was true, then why isn't the cigar market growing? Why is it a stable market at one and a half to 3% if it's drawing in, in new users? I think the industry would be ecstatic if it draw new, drew in new users, but clearly it's not. And then, you know, number two, there was sort of this um, straw man that they threw out where they said that uh, as the FDA continues to ban uh, nicotine content, or at least it seemed that the FDA was going to move towards uh, banning or restricting a, a nicotine content in cigarettes, that cigarette smokers would turn to cigars as an alternative, as a nicotine delivery device. And I mean, I probably rolled my eyes so hard I, I pulled something, but I was just like, yeah, I don't, I don't think that in a million years that cigarette smokers are going to be turning to cigars as a nicotine delivery system. Again, kind of based on all the research data, which shows consistently the way that they're utilized the everything about them is completely contrary to consumption and usage of cigarettes i just want to clarify i think it was a 72 you guys gave it ouch was <laughs> oh, 72 yeah it was a recent review right yeah it, it, yes no comment <laughs> okay <laughs> i just want to stir shit up it's all right <laughs> <laughs> God, and we sorry. don't and we don't do a lot of reviews like like <laughs> we're we're you know we we uh we're low on the numbers scale as far as you're, you're not only doing 90s and above so you're saying no <laughs> no not at all <laughs> not on this one not at all <laughs> yeah opinions definitely vary you know what i mean like yeah you know i think that i've come across some that you guys have all high rated and i'm just like fuck what the hell no way you know this, this doesn't qualify you know yeah mm -hmm. well and just like just like i i can say for the other people here like coop and aaron and john there have been cigars in the 30 plus dollar price point range that are just they're just they score really low price doesn't mean anything just a little jaded yeah know? yeah, yeah. Price doesn't mean anything. it's not about price it's about yeah what it what it tastes like that's pretty much it yeah 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 i think we i think we've definitively shown that there's very little relationship between the price of a cigar and the quote-unquote flavor delivery when uh a seven dollar fifty cent cigar can take a thirty dollar cigar out to the woodshed uh mm -hmm. and and yeah yeah right and, and by the way both developing palettes and cigar coop have published data this year of scoring 
map to pricing. So you can look which we price. do every year. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually did it for the first time myself this year. I basically yeah. copied you guys, but uh, but, we don't uh, <laughs> we don't publish it directly, like like where people can actually read it. But we we talk about the data points on the show when we do the cigar of the year. Um, but 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 yeah, we don't like put the spreadsheets available for people to 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 read. But well, I had the spreadsheets. We just talk about it on the show. That's pretty much it. Right, right, right. That's fine. Yeah, I mean, most mostly I think that comes from a place of, you know, there's a lot of pushback of, you know, well, I, I don't believe your score because you're, you're paid to say that or you're paid from another brand to say that or, you know, you guys don't buy your own cigars, you're getting free cigars, so that affects the uh, the, the we, numbers. We, and, and, so, we have, and we have all that data out there too, both of us. Yep. Our side. So yep. it's out there um, and you can make your own judgment on it is what I'm saying. But before you say that, look at the data. And then make that. We only go to the shows for the free cigars. Yeah, we just I'm just here for the free samples. Absolutely. If anybody wants to challenge us on our reviews, feel free. We'll we'll do it it on air, right, Mike? We are. That's happening. We're gonna do it on air on Monday. That's right. It's gonna be exciting. We 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 put our we put our names on our reviews, so you know who to come to when you have questions. Yeah. You know. (laughs) No, they call me. They call me. What do you mean? I mean, for me, the reality. That's because you pick up their calls. No, right. I go see him. I go see him. No, it's the problem is when I go see them is when they do. <laughs> well, the, that's what you, don't send me your schedule ahead of time so I know which ones to to publish at what days. That's the problem. No, in fairness, you did, <laughs> no, in fairness, you didn't do that, right? It was two days in a row it happened, and then this last trip it happened, but it was uh, it was a general comment about why yeah, why yeah. why why does developing palate hate me? So I was, <laughs> buckle your seatbelt. Whoever said that, it's coming again for you this year. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I am going. Um, I am going to be <laughs> Florida in May, so I'll give you my schedule. <laughs> Don't worry, we got we got a couple of reviews for in May going to hit for that brand. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. What, were you, what were you saying there before, Mike? Well, you know, I mean, it really opinions honestly vary significantly, yes. and yeah. I think that there's so much to cigar consumption that is easily overlooked. I mean, you know. Obviously, people talk about bands add to flavor, right? That's always the funny joke. Ha ha ha, right? Yeah. Um, but, you know, it could also be what's going on with you for that day. You know, it could be there's so many different things, right? And honestly, I feel like the longer that we're in this industry, the, the more fucking jaded we get towards smoking cigars. You know, I mean, shit, dude. We do a Patreon and, you know, we give a review and we break down, you know, our analysis, our, you know, in-depth analysis of a cigar and you know we have our opinions on it price point taste and all that stuff and i think more often than not you know i'm always disappointed you know to some degree something did you know there's something about it that i'm like eh, well you know this is fucking wrong the the taste is not there whatever the case may be so you know yeah you were brutally honest with the cigar at the compound this year when we were smoking someone's cigar. Yeah, you know. You, I were, mean, you were very brutally honest on it. And I don't know if part of that's because of the fact that I've been in the industry for X many years or or whatever. But I feel like everybody on this panel is, is officially kind of, you know, you put in your time, right? And I would say more often than not, you're going to have, you know, cigars that aren't going to check in the way that you want them to, you know? <laughs> I was talking to Matt about this uh, a couple weeks ago and I, and I said, have you ever thought about, you know, at your personal palate kind of, for me, it can go up and down for what I'm really jiving with. 
And if I'm reviewing a cigar with where I'm not jiving with, how much that bias is going into that particular review. Right. So I might review a cigar here and it's at a lower level, but if I'm really into that particular flavor profile later in the year, I might've given it a much higher score. And right. I think, you know, that's something that I'd never thought about before, you know, like a month ago, you right. guys ever thought about that? Good talk. All the, all the time. I, I, I'll share a different opinion. Uh, with the number of cigars that come out in a year, right? Like how, how, like if you just take it out as a percentage, how many of those, what percentage of those cigars do you think should stick for like a long-term as a long-term brand, right? Like you have, you have all these like legacy brands that have like a long tenure that, you know, the, the consistency has been there for a really long time. You know, in the, in the last five years, we see, we've seen a flood of the quantity of new releases, right? Like, do you really think like 90% of those are going to be really good cigars that are going to have like a long lasting, like legacy in the cigar market? Or like, should that number be like 10%? Well, like, I 10% of the cigars in a year are going to be like legit. They'll probably last a long time or, you know, well, I think it's, I think it's less than 10. I think it's far less than 10% of right. the cigar brands that are released in a given year will have legacy impact. I think, I think that it's, it's, a I think it's less than 5%. I think that, you know, you're, you're bless you. I think that your generational smokers, your, your old school guys that used that would smoke your, your Fuentes, your grand reservas or Romeo Julietas, and you can't get them off that brand will continue smoking and they eventually die. Right. Yeah. Um, it's just kind of natural course of life. Your, your newer guys, your newer smokers, they just want to try something that's new and they don't really stick to something, a core per se, you know? Right. Um, and if that brand makes something new and they liked it originally, then they'll try it again or, you know, they'll try something else from it, you know? And I think that that's really kind of the direction that it's going. I don't think that it has to do with, um, the quality of the tobacco, I believe that it's just the allure of what's new when really nothing's right. Yeah, if you ask, if you ask, if you go in a cigar shop and ask the patrons there one day, let's say you've got a big crowd at the cigar shop and you ask the patrons, what is their go-to brand? What is their go-to cigar? The people who are 50 and over will have an answer for you pretty quickly. Right. And the people who are below that age, or let's say 40 and under will most likely say they mix it up based on what's, what's trending. What's There's hot. Such an ageist right now. Yeah. So, you know, I'll give you a point. My, my, one of my college sons went into the cigar shop to do a, a paper and he had to basically speak in front of a group on a topic. Right. So I basically went in there and I said, Hey, I'm going to buy a box of cigars for everyone in the room and vote on it. Right. You know, and, and basically there was some people throughout names all these, all the names that were thrown out were the Ashtons, the, uh, you know, the Liga Provadas, um, Fuente. The Mon Fuente, exactly. It ended up being, and by the way, the one that ended up being picked was a uh, the Laron de Cuba Nobles, <laughs> not a cheap cigar. Um, but I'm just saying that that you know it's a brand that they were familiar with. They, and this store has a lot of small batch boutique things, is what I'm saying. That I could have went that did that route, but that wasn't nominated. Because again, it goes back to what you said. The demographic was an, a little bit of an older demographic that was in there. 
think back to the sort of root question that you asked there, Garrett. I think that if you've been if you've been doing reviews long enough, and if you can um, sort of do it from an analytical point of view and separate yourself from the review, I think that you can recognize um, the technical components of a cigar blend and say, you know, this cigar has complexity or balance, or you know, has a, a number of different flavors that harmonize in a way that's appealing, but it isn't appealing to me. Yeah. And I think that, you know, when, you, when, when you've been doing reviews for long enough, and you certainly have, and I think everyone on this panel certainly has been smoking way long enough to be doing this, to say, you know, this really isn't my jam, but I think it's, it's, a, it's technically a good cigar. And I think it's going to do well because, you know, this is going to appeal to certain people based on the fact that it's, you know, constructed and blended in a, in a good way. Um, and I think, you know, I think I said to Aaron, like last year that, um, I kind of came around on this whole uh, one puff review thing, um, you know, because we always joke about cigar aficionado, <clears throat> excuse me, only smoking the first third of a cigar or the first uh, first of a cigar. <laughs> first, first. Yeah, first, first. And I said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm actually I feel like I'm starting to get to the point where I can smoke a cigar for an inch and I can get a sense of what that cigar is going to be in that first inch. And it's pretty rare that you go beyond that inch and, you know, all of a sudden at the halfway point, that cigar is a radically different or, or has improved dramatically from the way it started out. Um, you know, that first, that first 30 minutes of a cigar is really going to define and be pretty consistent with what that flavor delivers for the rest of the cigar. Yeah. And I always come back to music where, you know, you can have somebody who's not a fan of a particular style of music where they say I'm not into hip hop, but they listen to, they still have, they, they can still have respect and admiration for a hip hop track. That's done well. Right. Even if they're not a fan of that particular style. And it's the same with cigars, in my opinion, where you can say, let's say there's, there's a particular style of cigar. That's maybe very earth heavy on the profile where if it's done well in that particular style of blending, you can still have respect for it. But at the same time, we can all agree that there have been many cigars that have been earth heavy on the earth forward on the profile that are not good for, for a number of different reasons. So it's, it, and, and like Koopa said a thousand times, it's all subjective. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It should be subjective. everybody's everybody's reviews are subjective. And if 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 a consumer goes into a shop and buys uh, uh, an Aladino Cameroon and loves it, well, then that means they probably have it, most likely they have a palette that's similar to mine and Garrett's. Mm -hmm. But if they try a. I'm going to throw somebody under the bus here, but if they try a Davidoff uh, Winston Churchill limited edition from 2019 and didn't like it, they also probably have a palette that's in line with mine and Garrett's where that's a cigar that's extremely price heavy. That isn't a very good representation in my opinion of the type of flavor profile they were going for. And that's, that's what it's all about. Like, in my opinion, has anybody yeah, gone yeah. gone camping? And um, I would tell everyone, Garrett. <laughs> would you? I would. I went okay. camping. I, I went camping once. On the mountaintop. It was, it was, it was yeah. no. There'd be no secrets. 
No, like where you go on a camping or a fishing trip and all you eat, like I remember one particular trip where we ate salmon for uh, about six days in a row. And that first three days was, was pretty great, especially the first day, you know, fresh fucking salmon, right? By the fifth day, I'm done with salmon. <laughs> I am so done with salmon, even I, though it is the freshest, best freaking salmon out there. Yeah. And so there are times where, you know, I've smoked a lot of broadleaf or I've smoked a lot of Connecticut's and I've smoked a lot, whatever it is. And I'll get to a review. And I think there can be a bias there. And again, this is just theory. This is just me thinking I haven't put any data to this. It's just a, a uh, an idea that I had to, to explore and think about. Would you, you know, guys say that one? Sorry. Go ahead. Go, go ahead, Mike. No, go ahead. Would you guys say that there's one particular Vitola that really kind of goes higher in over your average reviews than any other or, you know, or is it just kind of all over the place? I, I looked at it, Mike, actually. Again, I look at that as well. And what I found is Robusto and Toros, which are probably a lion's share, a lot of the reviews are pretty close. Um, and then a lot of the other ones tend to be more outlier types of sizes. So it varies. So I think the answer is no, in my case, at least from what I've published. Yeah, uh, I agree with Cooper. Yeah, as much as I say I don't like Lanceros, I've had some, I've had number one cigars and I've had top cigars yeah. with Lanceros. So yeah, it's. Uh, I have, I have cigars that I have my favorite Vitola. Right. But- it's it scores. I don't, I would have to look at it, but I don't, I don't recall the spreadsheets showing any particular bias in terms of Vitola. I love when I find, I, I do not like many cigars above a 50 ring ring gauge. Right. But I'll tell you what, I love when I find that 60. Oh yeah. And I'm oh. like, Oh gosh. I agree. Oh, great. When you know, when a 60 hits just right. Oh, it's same it's with a Lancero with me. Fresh air. Same, yeah. Same with a Lancero with me. Don't go make any Warrior 60s, Mike. Don't, don't do it. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm doing yeah. research right now. Yeah, you, know, <laughs> you know, the one, I know we kind of digressed a bit here, but it's a good discussion. You know, the, here's the key thing. So, and, and Garrett, you were hitting this as well as Matt. So, for example, a note that I just can't stand on a cigar is a floral note. And if it's a heavy floral profile, it's not going to score well with me, right? And I'm not going to give it the benefit of the doubt. Well, I don't like floral. I'm going to, it's going to score low, but that's why you have, that's why you should read the review. Cause I'll say something like, Hey, this is floral. It doesn't hit me. And that's affecting the score. That's, that's kind of how I do it. You know, and I think, you know, I try to take, there has to still be a bias in my opinion, in terms of, I have to give my opinion of that. And my opinion is yeah. heavy floral cigars are not ones I recommend. So I, really, I have to do really, it. Yeah. I really appreciate the half wheel consensus that they do every year. I know that's a lot of work and um, I, I love that consensus list that brings in all the different opinions. Yeah. Cause we've, we've all you, got, you're the only one Garrett. I was a little more with them for a while. The last year or two, they need to do some repairs. Well, so, we, yeah. but the fact is we all have some level of, of, and I'm John's going to appreciate this because I'm going to go like full analytics here. There's there's constant bias and there's relative bias. 
and we all have elements of both. Yes. Where constant bias is our preferences, our everyday preferences mm -hmm. that we always like or dislike something or the other. But then there's relative bias where it could be something that we're just in the mood for on a particular given day, or we're on a Connecticut rapper kick where we're really smoking a lot of Connecticut's on our, on our, during our recre recreational cigar time. And those biases, it's impossible to keep those out of our review process. A hundred percent. We can do the best we can to be as, as objective as possible, but in the end, there's always going to be some level of subjectivity that ends up in, in, in the final number. So back to Garrett's um, point, which I think was a really good one talking about broadleaf. So, you know, where do you guys sort of draw that line between, subjectivity and just experience because like to garrett's point when you've smoked enough broadleaf you know the difference between a good cigar with broadleaf mm -hmm. and uh a slapdick effort with broadleaf and it's it, it's it's pretty apparent like when you smoke it and you're like this was a, this was a waste of broadleaf and i really wish that this broadleaf had gone to a different manufacturer or, or a different line because it's just a waste of good tobacco I, I can't even speak right now because I'm just so enamored with the fact that you use the term yes. flat dick on the show. Yes. All right. I'll, I'll weigh in. Uh, so kind of what Mike was saying about being kind of being jaded. Like if, if you think back, like the first two years that you were smoking cigars and like maybe some of the cigars that you thought were really good and you gravitated towards. And then like later on in your smoking journey, you kind of revisit them maybe like four or five years later. You're like, what the fuck was I thinking that this was a good right. cigar? It's not a good cigar. I was just new to cigar smoking. And I thought everything was great. Every cigar I was going to pick up was going to be fantastic. Yeah. It's, it's just kind of an experience thing. And like you get to know your preferences and things like that. And eventually you can smoke a cigar and be like, this is just kind of like whatever, everything else that's on the market. And your, your search at that point is if you're going through a bunch of cigars and you're not sticking to particular brands or lines, if your goal is, I just want to smoke a bunch of new stuff. I want to try to find the gems. Like you can do that and be can say and it can say like, I'm only gonna find one gem out of 30 cigars. And you have to understand that those that, that that's probably the ratio and be okay with that. And it'd be like, I'm willing to do the work to go through all these mediocre cigars so I can find that one gem. Yeah. Even though I may never smoke more than three of them in my life because I keep go I keep going through the new stuff and all that stuff. It's like, you know, you can I think you could based on that experience, you can say like Yes, I smoked the cigar. I smoked the cigar from 50 other brands a hundred times. You know, it's just mm -hmm. that's what this blend is like from doesn't matter whoever and whatever vintage tobaccos run. That's what it's like. So like just that experience and you know, that library that you have in your mind, you know what's a good cigar, you know what's a cigar that you can pick up from wherever, and it's gonna be somewhat similar, kind of a palette, you know, kind of a flavor profile for your palate. So yeah. um you know, I think, you know, like we were talking about the ratio earlier, like there's not going to be a lot of the cigars that stick every year because, you know, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago, the number of new releases were so low because it was just like constant brands that were continuing, continuing on. You get a new release, you know, from a brand, maybe every two, three years, something like that, because they've put a lot of time into it. And now it's just like, I got to crank these out. I got to do store exclusives. I got to do a limited, you know, a limited edition every three months for my brand all that kind of stuff. It's just like, it gets a little like, uh, you know, and you know, with the volume of cigars that factories can't keep up with demand, who knows where the tobacco's coming from, who knows 
you know, was it tobacco that they didn't want to use three years ago? So they let it sit hoping that someday it would ripen up and come around and they just have to use it now because they're out. Like, yeah, it's just whatever they could, like, there was like this one Dilbert commercial where they're like, at the end of the year, they're trying to get all the inventory out and like, just box it up and send it out and we'll take care of it. You know, we'll deal with the numbers next year. And the guy at the end of the assembly line is like, this guy's getting gum. And he just takes the gum out of his mouth, throws it in the box and bundles it up and it goes off. Like that's kind of how it is sometimes nowadays. So, yeah, you know, I would like to see how many first round draft picks are, you know, last 10 years are no longer on a roster. Yeah, exactly. Similar. Yeah. I would say similar to that. Yeah. I mean, that's a good point. It's a very good point. I mean, you and look at, uh, yeah, so, and I don't mean to dive off here, but going back to the analytics piece, and Aaron, I love the, I know you didn't do it this past year, but the the article about scoring trends right? that you've done for, that you did for a number of years. I love that because one of the analytics pieces that I learned about in college and then, you know, have used for decades in working my day job is the this this i don't know if you guys have heard of this this thing called the Pareto principle mm-hmm. it's the 80 20, the 80 20 rule where basically yep, yep. you know and the, it's it it can deal with anything from you know the scores of cigars to the the height of trees and forests around the world and the number of stars in any given quadrant flow or of your piss yeah the, the flow <laughs> yes that mm-hmm. that that is true mm-hmm. But it's uh, the, the fact is a lot of uh, we've even had people say, why do you give so many cigars? Why are so many of your cigars scored within this narrow little range? I said, because that's the way life works. Yeah, really. That's that's I, uh, that's just kind of the way the world is. You know, most things are wow. average and you have a small subset of things that are really bad. And then a very even smaller subset of things that are really, really good. Yep. And that's just kind of the way that's the nature of the universe. Yeah. Uh, and, and um, it's, it's important to kind of remember that when we're, when we're sitting down smoking cigars, even just as consumers, even just as friends sitting around sharing cigars, you can share a cigar with somebody that you absolutely love and you want desperately for them to love that cigar as much as you do. Mm-hmm. And they smoke it and they're like, yeah, it's okay. And it almost hurts in a way, but, mm-hmm. but you're like, yeah, well, but there's a lot of people I mean, that I get it. I, I believe me. I get it. There's a lot of people that don't understand that it's okay to say something's not good. Great. You know? Yeah. Of course. All right. Um, Hey, John, Nassim, was there another point you want to hit? Because I have one more I wanted to hit with the Nassim. He only got to page one of his three pages of notes. I was like, yeah, there's like three bullet points in my three pages of notes. So we, we, we can go as long or as short as you want, Coop. Let's do a couple more and then we'll, we'll break it and have, I have a short topic I want to do to, to wrap it up. That's I think going to set a lot of fire. It's an audible by the way, guys. So, but I want to, yeah. we're, we're, we're really going to start a fire with this last topic. So, Ooh. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah. Let's burn it down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> yeah. Cause I want to just make one comment on the NASA thing. And John, maybe this is it. I think the piece on marketing was incredibly damaging, right? And the stuff they talked about with scar marketing really has me worried right now. That that stuff that I could see the FDA latching onto as lower hanging fruit to try to go after. 
Yeah, 100%. And if, if you looked at the, uh, if you even yeah. glanced at the article, uh, the 520 page uh, release, you'll see that there are screenshots from uh, popular media websites, from um, cigar brand websites, from uh, marketing emails that have been sent out. So, you know, I think oh, there yeah. was, there's some commentary out there that, uh, you know, maybe one group is responsible for, for bringing this uh, to light. And so they're responsible for that. And I think what I took away from that is, um, listen, they're obviously subscribed to a number of different marketing lists and they're clearly paying attention to this stuff. So, you know, they are subscribed to all the major um, online uh, marketing email lists. They're checking out all the cigar media websites. They're watching Cigar Aficionado religiously. They're looking a at the lot. magazines. Yeah. And, and they are absolutely paying attention to this and they're paying very clear attention to this. Yeah, and to kind of add on to that, like, look, Aficionado was in there a lot, and I'm curious yeah. if they're going to respond to some of this, right? They, you know, we look at, hey, uh, Nick Jonas is smoking a cigar. How cool is that, right? Or, hey, um, what's the um, the guy, uh, uh, Joe Rogan? We think that's all cool. They're looking at this as a bad thing. Like, look, these guys right. are, are, are encouraging it, and, oh, Cigar Aficionado and all these media sites are, are reporting on this. So, I thought I was that's the part that's keeping me up at night because I think that's gonna that could affect our future right now. hundred um, percent. Yeah. And what we're doing. And they, you know, I think that they singled out Drew State, uh D twenty five. Uh they singled out Fuente as well with Carlito's ad the Carlito and his father ad they even singled yep. out. Yeah. yeah. You think about that. So I thought there was a lot of it. That that's the part where I hope the PCA is gonna be fighting for that piece with us too. Mm-hmm. I just don't have confidence that that's gonna be a priority for the PCA. I, I agree with you that that yeah. should be that should be high on their list. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's because think about all the free marketing that we do. Even though we like we don't because like even though we, you say journalists, influence, whatever, it's still free marketing that you're getting. These companies are getting. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, that's it, true. And it's gone. You know, and there are some companies that actually do like to send press releases. So. Well, and even even just briefly to go back is even a bad review a bad score for lack of a better term is, you know, some companies use that yeah, and yeah, actually gain traction in yeah, sales yeah, yeah. through sort of the prove them wrong mentality. You know, mm. how about that cigar gave a shitty score to this cigar. So let's prove them wrong or develop yeah. pallets or Cooper. Watch, watch the Scott Hustler podcast next week. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there you go. Tune in. Fireworks, baby. <laughs> <laughs> we will, we will absolutely watch. I can't wait. I so I wait. think I think the uh, the three bullet points I just wanted to touch on, and uh, you know we talked a lot about the marketing, but uh, we haven't really talked about the health effects. And I think there's kind of two bullet points takeaway: uh, positive, negative, um, and it's strong statements. And that's health risk is associated with tobacco use, including use of premium cigars, but it may be determined by smoking behaviors, including frequent frequency, intensity, duration, and depth of inhalation. And they follow that up by saying. There's moderately suggestive evidence that the health risks among primary cigar users in general are lower than those among secondary cigar users. And I think those are very, very important statements for the PCA, the CRA, the TAA, and all cigar rights organizations to to focus on. The problem with that is that, and I think this really needs to set off alarm bells for all trade organizations and, and cigar right organizations is they're very clearly focused on secondhand smoke and occupational risk 
from secondhand smoke. And the reason I bring that up is because that was used very strongly as a wedge issue in Australia, United Kingdom and Canada to ban cigar smoking and, and remove cigar smoking in lounges. And that needs to be a sort of hill that the yeah. various rights organizations die on because, you know, once they drive that wedge in there, uh, that that's pretty much an impossible thing to reverse. I'm going to call on the PCA to hire John McTavish. Mm. Don't hire me. You wouldn't take the job. First of all, you can't, you can't board. afford me. Number one. Right. Board seat. He's under <laughs> contract. Yeah, that's right. Oh, got a, a non compete. Well, you're not got like, no trade clause. No, John's considering a lot of offers right now. You know, just to stay with <laughs> developing power. That's right. That's right. So he's got these offers out there. I know? want, I, I want that Tyreek Hill deal. You know, I want that first rounder. I want that second rounder. Give me that seventy three, million. You got to sign a three year contract here. You know. Uh, because we, we all know the cigar industry is just like the baseball winter meetings, right? That's right. Oh, oh, absolutely. I want 120 guaranteed, and then I want 50 performance bonus, and I want that up front. And I guarantee John McTavish knows more about the U.S. government than most Americans. Than most Americans do. Most, yeah. most people in the U.S. government. Well, so we, <laughs> we, we, had, that, uh, we had that kind of when we were doing our uh, Herf in Place when we had the um, we had the questions about uh, uh, United States, and I was yes. against Jonathan Carney. Yeah, I remember that. I was That's on right. that. I was on that. That was a blast. That was a lot of watch. fun. So much fun to watch. But I mean, you know that that really just comes from the 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 perspective of um, you know Canada is an export nation, so uh, you know a lot of our economy and a lot of the things that we do here are really tied to America because. You know, when America sneezes, we get a cold. So our economy and everything we do is really tied to American politics and American economics. Um, so, you know, it is kind of important for us to understand what's going on. And, and so I think, you know, in general, Canadians are pretty dialed in because, frankly, it's our livelihood. And, it, you know, it really does dictate yeah. kind of uh, what happens up here. Well, let me, let me be the first to say you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> As you enjoy your American cigar. Mm, so tasty. It's freedom in every puff. <laughs> there it is. I can see the freedom. Yes. Oh, yeah. That's so free. Freedomos. That is so free. Yeah. Freedomos. Yep. So, John, you, have, you had a couple more points? I think that was it. I think, I mean, we've, uh, I think we've, we've covered the, uh, the NASA findings pretty, pretty well. Okay, good, good. Um, so here's what I want to do. One more commercial break. Uh, then short segment. If we have time, we'll do the live true segment because I know we'll keep folks late, but I want to get to this last segment. Um, this is not late for you, Coop. We're still two hours away from being late. This, this ain't the bears. This ain't bear show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm kidding you, bear. All right. We went. We only went three hours last night with Hector. So, All right. Let me mention uh, J.C. Newman Cigar Company. Founded in 1895 by Julius Caesar Newman, the J.C. Newman Cigar Company is the oldest family-owned premium cigar maker in America. For four generations and 126 years, J.C. Newman has been handcrafting many of the world's finest cigars. J.C. Newman is headquartered in an iconic 111-year-old cigar factory in the Ybor City National Historic Landmark District of Tampa, Florida. At the factory known as Elver Hole, J.C. Newman was premium cigars by hand and hand-operated antique cigar machines. The J.C. Newman Pensive Factory is the second largest in Nicaragua. It's a brick house, Pearl del Mar, El Baton, Coromanago cigars are hand-rolled. 
Jason's Diamond Crown, Maximus, Julius Caesar, and Black Diamond Scars are handmade by Tobacco at A. Fuente in the Dominican Republic. With his longtime partners, the Arturo Fuente family, the Newmans founded the Cigar Family Charitable Foundation, which supports low-income families in the Dominican Republic with education, health care, vocational training, and clean water. Visit JasonNewman.com to learn more. And by Casa Cuevas Cigars. The Cuevas family has five generations' experience in cigar making. For many years, they have manufactured cigars for many industry leaders out of the Las Lavas factory in the Dominican Republic. Now, the Cuevas family has brought their very own brand to market with Casa Cuevas Cigars. Try the Casa Cuevas line, the Habano, Connecticut, Maduro line, La Mandaria, as well as the Patrimonio and Cuevas Reserva line. If they don't carry it, be sure to ask your local retailer for Casa Cuevas Cigars, Casa Cuevas Cigars, from our casa to yours. And by Alec Bradley Cigars. Alec Bradley, Alec Bradley, Alec Bradley, Alec Bradley, Alec Bradley. Visit alecbradley.com to find out more about their cigars. Live true. And by Aventura Cigars. Aventura is the first creation by Marcel Noble and Henderson Ventura. Immediately after lighting up the explorer, a Mexican rapper will delight the aficionado with its dark chocolate flavor. After a while and pleasure, the Dominican filler will flatter the aficionado's palate with wonderful spicy and leathery aromas and unite it with the wooden sweetness from Ecuador. Try Aventura to explore and explore the wonderful experience. And this is our industry deliberation segment, which we've been doing all night, actually, sponsored by Dumbarton Tobacco and Trust. There's no deliberation when it comes to Dumbarton's track record since launching in 2015. This has included seven consecutive top three appearances on the half-wheel consensus, including number one cigar of the year in 2020 with the Mi Carita Tricky Tracker. Visit DTT Cigars to find a purveyor that carries the brands of Dumbarton Tobacco and Trust. All right, guys, this is an audible topic. I haven't mentioned this. Maybe Aaron's the only one who knows about it. Burn it down. Okay. Burn it down. Okay. So this week, there is a uh, event going on in Cabo St. Lucas called the, the Tobacco Association of America Conference. And, yeah. Uh, okay. So there's two things that go on at this event. The first thing is, we, I think the one we always talk about are the TAA cigars. We can get to those, right, tonight. But I want to talk about something else. Is There's also a, it's a, also a massive buying event. Oh, yeah. Right. So is everyone, you know, so for folks who may not be familiar, basically there's a concept that they have called the dream machine where retailers can kind of collectively buy stuff. And it's kind of like they can buy it at a significantly discounted price. And some retailers, some retailers. Well, well, that's what I want to get to. Okay. The asterisk. (laughs) The asterisk. Okay. So the idea is you to get into the TAA, you have to be accepted by the members of the TAA. Right. right? And then if you get into the TAA, you're expected to go to this conference and you're expected to buy is the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But, to get, but you have to get into the TAA. And there's a lot that goes on there, right? So I'm going to give you a hypothetical situation. I want to see if this is fair or not, right? So I'm going to pick Bismarck, North Dakota as, a, as an example. I don't know how many cigar shops are there. Let's assume there's one retailer in the TAA, right? And there's one that is denied the TAA in Bismarck, North Dakota. So basically, the one who goes to the TAA is going to have the opportunity to buy product at a, at a significantly discounted price. But that other guy is not going to be able to buy at that price because he's not a member of the TAA. And the TAA members blocked him from coming in or didn't accept him, let's say. Is this a fair model? Is this no. fair? To, is this a fair model? So I have di- I have different opinions on this, right? I I, I go back and forth on this one to be honest, but I, I don't think it's ever been talked about on a show, and I kind of wanted to throw it out there to get. It's a cool kids right? club. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah it, it's fair for the TAA. 
Mm-hmm. It's because so, they they get to decide in their in their hierarchy or their their system what what fair is. So for them, it's completely fair. But if the, if the whether, two big whether or not store, right? If they're spending the same amount of money with company X, right? But the one in the TA is going to be able to buy that product at a maybe they're buying the same amount of product. But the one in the TA is being is able to get a much much more better price than that other guy. Yeah. How how is this? How is this? I don't know if this is common across other industries, right? It just seems like there's something wrong with this model, uh, and it just doesn't. On the other hand, I understand that it's a private club, and certainly a private club has a right to do what they want to do. Yeah. yeah. But something doesn't seem right with this model, and it, it seems like it goes on every year. And now that they're doing multiple dream machines a year. It's, there's a lot more. And I've heard this from some retailers who've told me, we don't like this model. Like, this is this is completely unfair to us. And we're spending the same amount of money per year. Yeah. yeah. Or bringing the same amount of product per year. Right. Well, I know that there, although it's not to the same extent, but there are similar models in, although it's not, it's not necessarily an association, but there are some similar models when it comes to uh, liquor purveyors buying and selling whiskey. Okay. Mm-hmm. Whether, whether it's American whiskey or, or scotch mm-hmm. there where there's, you have to meet a certain requirement. You have to be invited to the club and then you can get either a, you can get products that nobody else can get to sell, or you can get standard issue products for, drastically reduced prices over what non-member retailers can get. Yeah. I don't necessarily think it's a long-term model, but, oh, geez. Um, But it is, it is a model that's become common in certain, for lack of a better term, craft products in the last 10 years. Right. The membership is capped at, what is it? 70, I think 70 retail members. It's somewhere between 70 and 80. Um, they used to list the member on, on the TA website. They don't do that. I noticed anymore. Mm. Since they re- yeah. Re- yeah. Interesting. interesting, isn't it? Yeah. We have, we have one TAA shop. We have two. We have two <laughs> TAA shops in the we- twin cities. Stogies and Stogies and Tobacco Grove. Oh, Tobacco Grove is. Yep, they are now, as of three three years ago. <coughs> awesome. So we have but, two TAA shops in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area. Inner Sanctum Cigar Illuminati. Yes. <laughs> to me, um, as a I, as a I, retailer, I, though, you know, if I if I'm going to a TAA shop. Um, the only thing I'm really looking for are those TAA exclusives. And I'm not seeing a huge price difference between a shop that isn't. That's an excellent point. So we, as consumers, at least, and I'm, we're just talking about our market where we're right. consumers. We oh, go the, into the cigar shop. The mar- we, there's margins. Sure. That's exactly. So we, we go into cigar shops and we don't, at the cigar shops that are TAA members, let's say they get let's say they buy uh, i'll just pull a brand out of thin air here Tatuaje. let's let's say they get tatuaje um uh brown label the regios for 40% less than 
non-member retailers get it for. We're not seeing that price reflected on the shelf. No, no. In the, the TAA whole, shops. No, I don't either. Consumers. And I think that's the whole point is they're getting margins and that's why so they're, they're getting, so they're, they're able to tack on to their, you know, um, to their keystone margin above and uh, well above and beyond that keystone margin. Right. For, for certain categories of products, meaning re, uh, not retailers, but manufacturers who are also TAA members. Yeah. So like, I guess the real question is, if you, I mean, are the brand owners and manufacturers that are part of that club inflating their general price to all the other consumers to offer that discount? Right. Because if you, if it's already inflated and they're offering the discount just for them, it's made up over here. So that means that it's raised when it shouldn't be. Right. Right. I mean, that in itself is kind of fucked. No, No, I mean, I probably, anytime you provide a discount, right. You're getting fucked when you're paying full price. Right. Right. So that's the way it works. I never provide a discount. Right. 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 I mean, I understand, but I understand volume discounts too. I understand volume discounting. And, and, but, you know, but here's the other thing I kind of find funny is the TAA has these exclusive cigars, right? Which we we could get to, but Mm -hmm. there's money that supposedly goes back into the TAA. What is the perp? What does the TAA do with that money? Is my question. Mm-hmm. Like, like, what is like? It's not like PCA where right. I can understand PCA is going into legislative and lobbying and stuff. I don't know what I and I'm not. I don't know is the answer. I'm not. I don't know where that money goes. I know TAA <laughs> has done donations to the PCA, so maybe it does go that way. I don't know, but I just I I kind of just wonder like what what is. Well, and and here's a question that I honestly don't know the yeah. answer to. Yeah, I'll ask you guys. When if if let's say I'm a retailer and I get an invite to be a member of the TAA, do I then have to pay a fee to be a member of the TAA above and beyond the travel cost to go to the event? I don't know the answer to that. I don't know. I don't I don't know the answer to that either. Um, I do know there's an application process that that goes on. Okay. And and people can there's they can submit an application um, and then they're either approved or denied. Right. But again, it's a small segment of retailers and it kind of, I guess maybe it's going back to some of the Pareto principle. They're, they're doing a lot of buying. Let's let's, they're not, let's, right. they won't, they won't let someone stay in there and just go on a trip to Cabo and not buy. You're going to be, you're expected from what I understand to go to this convention every year or someone from, or at least every other year or something, but you're expected to be there and you're expected to have checkbook in hand and, and do that. So there isn't, there is a responsibility support, you know, to do that. And I understand that. Um, if you go back 10, 15 years ago, like those guys were those retailers were the gatekeepers, man. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you had to, you know, you did business with them or you didn't do business. Right. Period. Right. And I think that you've seen, I think we've all kind of seen over the course of time that these mid range retailers um, have done a great job promoting and kind of building other brands and products um, that kind of have their backs, you know, so much to a point where, you know, yeah, the margins suck that, you know, it's, it's bullshit that they do that, you know, and, and they're obviously inflating the pricing, but, you know, 
they're almost doing themselves a disservice in the same realm because as these mid retailers continue to promote and build other, other brands, their brands are going to eventually be hurt, yep. you know, yep. just for that price, just for that, you know, Hey, we, with our X, our, our EBITDA this year was X. And a lot of that was, was because of TAA. Right. Yeah. 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 By the mm-hmm. way, Jay Davis says you can miss only one trip every five years. And to be fair, not all the TAA manufacturers do the dream machine. So that, that those are two good points. There are a lot that do it. Thank you, Jay. So, Mike, obviously, you have a good perspective as a retailer. Do you think, and I probably already know this answer, this yeah. answer but I'm going to ask it anyways. Do you think, the, do you think the, the margin discounts are more effective for these shops? Or do you think the uh, having a lock on the allocations where you can lock down a particular line or product is more effective sort of medium long term for those shops where they're locking out product that other shops can't get their hands on? I mean, that's a really good question. You know, I think at the end of the day, you know, more margin is key, right? If you can make more money, you can make more money, right? Um, I don't think that that portrays, and I could be wrong, as far as availability for all products. Obviously, you have TAA exclusive things that you can't get, but, you know, um, I don't think that there's as much favoritism as there once originally was for particular brands and for particular products. You know, I think that that has definitely changed that dynamic and that paradigm has definitely changed over the course of, I mean, even like the last five years, you know, um, not even just considering the whole the last decade. So, yeah, I think that some of that's true, but in, in all reality, everybody wants to make more money, right? You know, I go back to like the two Bismarck stores as an example, right? So wouldn't it be better you got that second Bismarck store in there to say, okay, there's more volume you can get now, right? Right, there's more volume. But the end result is by keeping that second, by one Bismarck store keeping the other Bismarck store out, you're stifling your competition. And that's kind of where this isn't settling. Something's not settling right with me with this. Right. Yeah, no, you're 100%. Yeah. 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 Not to mention if you let them all in and you have that discount, you can't sell at that price anymore. Right. Right. Exactly. You can't, you're not, you're, you're making bigger margins than your comp competitor. Like I said, I totally, and look, here's the other thing I'll kind of defend the TAA. You have large catalog companies able to do this already without having to be a member. A lot of them are in there though. No, I don't think the catalog. Well, some maybe because they're manufacturers that have catalogs. Well, and that's, that's the tricky part too, is, uh, I mean, a lot of us forget sometimes, and uh, I know a lot of consumers don't, and I'm not saying this disparagingly, it's just, it's hard to see all the, all the, the structure that's going on behind the scenes. But I mean, you really look at the, the big, massive premium cigar retailers and there's, there's two big players and then there's everybody else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to pricing structure, whether whether you're talking about clubs or or special organizations, I think those two big players have more impact on pricing structure than the clubs ever could. Because they Yeah drive the ship because I, they I place yeah. they have so much volume so yeah. their pricing structures really drive the pricing structures below them whether they even know it or not 
they're not concerned about the players below them. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, the sad part is that, and it's, this is in every industry that, you know, the guys that are on top are designed themselves so that they suppress their competition. Right. Yes. And, yeah. and that's not just in the cigar industry. That's in every industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, maybe it's more prevalent in here and, and it's more obvious. And like, I think that as, um, as that's kind of come to light and as it's more and more exposed, it becomes more frowned upon. And then you start to see that shift, you know, Yeah. Start to see guys that will say, Hey, this is kind of fucked up. I'm, I'm going to support you. You know, like you're my local shop, you know, I don't care if I got to pay 50 cents more or whatever the case may be. I like it here, you know, and I like you guys. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and that actually conveys at this point on a national level, you know, I, I look, uh, cigar hustler has been up for over a decade and I don't deep discount shit, but there are plenty of plenty of people that purchase from me have purchased from me for years, even though they could go find it for a lower price. They're like, you know what? You guys are my guys. Yep. You, you know, you, you've always done good by us. You've always taken care of me. And, you know, we've established a relationship, even though we've never met in person, you know? Yep. So, you know, that, that shift is definitely occurring and it occurs, you know, it, it gets, it occurs more and more annually. Yeah. You know, well, and, and also not to, not to go back to the regulatory piece, but in any industry, the big players really do play way higher of a factor in the regulatory piece than the small players do all put together. You take all, whether you're talking about guns or booze or the, the big players in those industries, they they are the shot callers when it comes to the direction of regulatory efforts. Right. Which is but, why we we'll never. We, yeah. yeah. You're good. Oh, go ahead, Mike. I was going to say, that's why we'll never be an industry of self-regulation. There you go. Yeah. 100%. Uh-huh. <laughs> what the hell was that? <laughs> My wife is, uh, she had uh, the You watched in wrestling? Yeah. We love wrestling. Okay. No, this is um, this is Aunt, what's his name? Andy. Andy Cohen. Andy Cohen. Andy Cohen. Real Housewives, baby. I, yep. I, I had to, I yeah. show after show, <laughs> after party. Hi, Brittany. Yeah, that's party. See, hi, says hi. Sorry. <laughs> that's all right. I'm going to bed. <laughs> so it, that's really what it boils down to, dude. You know, I mean, yeah, it's fucked up, and I think that it continues to change, and it takes time. Yeah. It takes a lot of time. Right. But because of that, you're going to have 80% Jejun cigars that you fucking can't stand, Aaron. And, you know, John's like, eh, this one, the relight sucked. Um, but, you know, as it progressively gets better and people have different access to tobaccos and you'll find those, those 20% and brands will continue to flourish and build and you'll see that shift. Has no one really dug into the TAA and found out like what, the organization or the association <clears throat> is really about. I really well, love the fact that Coop kind of gently scratched upon, you yes. know, CAA comparison to PCA. Like, do they like each other? Are they friends? Are they not friends? Are they frenemies? Are they according, friends? according to Jay, you know, there's a lot of TA guys running, you know, in, involved in the PCA in high positions. So do well, they I, want the PCA fail? I mean, what is uh, like, what, like what? I mean, I don't know. I like, and, come on, Jay, and, give it to us. And Coop made a very good point earlier where it's true that the TAA is not nearly as transparent with their information as they used to be. 
I mean, yeah. not even that long ago, got only five or six too, years but... ago, they were way more transparent with their information than they are now. Yeah. Right. I mean, the biggest question I get asked is, are you going to go to TAA to cover it? They don't want they don't want media there. Right. They don't want they don't want us anywhere near that dream machine. I can tell you that. Because it's an eyes wide shut type situation. Oh my goodness, yeah. You gotta wear the mask when you go in with the long hair. I mean, they they don't even (laughs) want to give us information on their cigars, which is another story, but that's they've gotten a little better with that in recent years. Um, but yeah, I mean they don't want us there. Um I actually thought one year of just booking at the resort and see if I could just hang out at the resort one year. Maybe I'll do that after I retire and just hang out there. Oh, I mean, I'm I'm visiting. Can you, you imagine like two big guys, a strong arm and coop out oh, of the? Oh, I can see it. Like, oh, I wait, I'm just a, I'm on vacation. One more question. I can see the, <laughs> the, the, the iPhone still recording. I have a right to be here. I have a right to be here. Uh, that would be my death sentence in Cigar Meteor if I did that. <laughs> I mean, let's be real. I mean, I, like I said, I just, it's, I think it's a fair question I've asked on this. Like, I, I just was really thinking about it a lot lately. And especially, you know, watching the watching people from the TAA, you know, basically, they, you know, like I hear I heard this thing. Well, I read these things. They're an organization. They discuss issues and problems. Maybe they do um, to some extent. I don't know. But, right. uh, and but uh, you know, you and know I you have know, I'd have to hear them make no a position on with, anything. Yeah. And I have no problem with the TAA as an organization. Mm-hmm. And no, they, I don't either. And the, I don't either. And the fact is they and I know really none of us do. And they have the right to be as transparent or as private club. Um, it's a private or as, club. As, or as private as they want to be. Yeah. But yeah. they from a consumer standpoint, from a media standpoint, from an industry <laughs> standpoint, I think it's in everybody's best interests. Well, I shouldn't say that. It's not in everybody's best interest. Not everybody's. It's in, yeah. the, it's in the industry's best interests. Okay. Yeah. For everybody to be as transparent as possible. But I understand that it's not in the best interest of individual organizations, whether it's right. companies or clubs. Or stakeholders. Or yeah, stakeholders. And, and that's why I asked, is, is there other industries that do this? Because I was that's something I haven't really dug into. The, the only one I can think of, like I said earlier, was the, was, yeah. was the high-end whiskey right. and... Uh, and spirits organizations yeah right and maybe maybe guns a little bit but but that's that's way more niche essential right. oils it's right essential oils. Yeah. definitely essential right. oils. yeah lavender right. mm-hmm. hibiscus mm-hmm. i'd love to know if the taa was discussing self-regulation and actually serious that's a serious question actually yeah I mean, that, aaron john on this segment though What's that? I want to hear from Aaron and John on this. Yeah, we're just we're just waiting to, to the point I've, where we're I, weighing I, in I, on the TAA releases. I'm I'm pretty oh. sure I've I've beaten TAA to death. They, yeah. they, nice. they 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 put out a contract on me I think a long time ago. So <laughs> nice. <laughs> but the the uh, you had three TA you had a couple of TAA cigars in the top twenty five guys. I mean, so shows you how shitty the rest of the cigars were last year. Oh. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I went to Aaron. I said, uh, hey, I got some TAA cigars. If you want some extras, you can review them. And he was like, cringed. <laughs> He's like, no. Oh. <laughs> he goes, all right, send them. <laughs> I like the slightly lubed up, Aaron. This is good. Yeah. Nice. Good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we've, we've beaten the exclusive series to death. Um, and in my opinion, it, I mean, it used to be years ago, we, and I think we beat this one, where the idea was you, a manufacturer would bring their best foot forward. I think Tatawai was a great example of that in 2011. 
but then they opened the doors up to everybody with these TAA cigars now. And uh, now, now, you know, companies can just do whatever they want. We got e- easy coop, easy coop. So you say open the doors, it get, turns out shitty, but TA is not open the doors to all the retailers. It's going to get shitty. So you got to decide one way or the other. Yeah. Okay. Fair point. I remember Seth wrote something, right? He says, why is the TAA accepting this cigar? It was like, you know, he was like, I, I, didn't, I couldn't argue with him. He's right. Because I smoked that Once same they cigar. sell it, they don't give a shit anymore, right? But they but they sit a lot of these cigars. I've seen stuff. That's the retailer's years. problem, not the manufacturer's yeah. problem. Yeah. Well, the manufacturers <laughs> just basically they don't market most of the manufacturers don't don't release a lot of press information. They they depend on the TAA to do it. Now the TAA's tried to step up in, in recent years on that. And I think they've there's been some improvement. Um it's not where I want to be because now now they release everything to cigar aficionado. What they're doing, so well, but again, do but at the least they release they the make, information. Yeah, the moves they make are they are they beneficial to them, or are they beneficial to the industry as a whole, and or both? I, I actually think okay, I think the TA exclusive series could be something really special to the industry, and if 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 in this is where I'm seeing the PCA is going down the same route right now with their exclusives. Where, you know, if there's some real criteria put in there and, and maybe there's an evaluation process, I, I think that they that you could have this elite set of cigars from elite manufacturers and it could be something really special instead of just carrying something for the sake of carrying something in the store. I, I don't think that makes sense. And, I, and, you know, I go back, you know, there's limited edition cigars that I see sell out faster than TAA cigars. 500 box allocations I see of some small boutique will sell out faster than a TAA cigar. And I've used protocol as an example of that. Well, anytime pro- protocol is a good example, but also, yeah. and not to go back and poke the bear, but um, LCA <gasps> has been a prime example of that as well, where their shit sells out faster than the TAA weeks, stuff. weeks yeah. if not months before the TAA shit sells out. And they market it. Look, we can say what we want about the LCA. They, and Mike, you, I know you're an LCA shop. They market it well, and they have you, you, yeah. You have, Mike and that's Keenan. what I'm, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. They reach, they know how to reach consumers in 2022. Mike, and I'm Mike, not sure yeah. if the TAA has that dialed in yet. No, I don't think they do. Like I said, I see Mike put the email out on Hustler that the LCA releases out there, and I and I've gone and checked, and I see they sold out sometimes by the next morning. So, exactly. I mean, that and mm-hmm. that if the TAA kind of, did, I know like I said, the TAA is looking at marketing better because I think they recognize why aren't we doing that with these cigars? Why can't we do the same thing? Yeah. Well, All there's right. a prime 48 example. hours until Brian puts out a, a video telling the TAA that he needs to take over their marketing department. <laughs> they can't go. afford him. Yeah, they, they can't, can't afford him. He, he would do, you want something? He would do a better well, job than I've seen. There's, of course he yeah. would. Yeah. There's yeah, he a would. prime yeah. example of, yeah. of a local shop that is an LCA shop that they put on their Facebook page that they got this new, I don't even remember which one it was, but they said new. I went there the next day Less than 24 hours later, and they were gone. Yeah, man. Yeah. So, I mean, they're do- they're doing something right when it comes to yeah. reaching the consumers. Look, look at look at that subterranean project. It's a brilliant idea. I mean, come on, you and Brian's right. It's fostering community. That's right. That. Um, you could say what you want about the cigars. That's another story. But guess what? They, they, he tapped into something with that, and he deserves credit on that. Well, and like we already talked about with the beer market it doesn't matter about 
the, I mean, in the long run, the product, the end product doesn't really matter. Right. I mean, there's, there are so many people who spend their entire paycheck on product that is subpar in whether it's beer or spirits or cigars and the, the end product doesn't matter. It's how does that organization, whether it's a company or a club reach the consumers? Yeah. Yeah. How does the consumer perceive it? And how does exactly that's a very good point. And I've seen with the TA, they do nothing to connect with the consumers. And I'm going to say this, like the lowest, some of the lowest rated reviews in terms of web traffic on coop, or TAA cigars. They don't generate web traffic. I mean, it's just not an interest I see. Coop loses all marketing tomorrow morning. They pull the plug. <laughs> but I can knock out TAA. To, like, I, did a, I, did, I do a thing of the top 500 red articles. <coughs> and it's like I can count maybe there's one or two TAA cigars in it every year. It's usually Tatawahe and uh, maybe one other. But, you know, Crown Heads. I mean. Lafleur, maybe he's the third, but yet that's it. I mean, it's just my my readership is not, um, and I I believe my demographic is pretty good. I just don't see people getting excited about these cigars like an else. They get excited about the LCA cigars. See, what's, what's funny is that TAA had a like a marketing guy last year that reached out to a bunch of media guys and like asked for feedback and all that stuff. And we gave it to him. Yeah. I don't, I don't know that that guy's still working with it because I didn't hear and shit you're this gone. year. That's what I said. I heard nothing from him this year. I, yeah, I, had, have we, a, I had them all down in Cabo San Lucas who gave me the info. And we literally never heard a single peep, which is not out of the realm of possibility because we're a very new media organization, but yeah, we never, we never got reached. Nobody, no one ever reached out to us. Right. I, I, I know what happened. I actually know what happened to the guy. Um, yeah, he, he, we had a phone call. I gave him <laughs> candid feedback. He took it to the TA. He shared it with him, and they fired, fired his ass on the spot. <laughs> so, oh, you got it from this guy? He killed every one of our cigars. Yeah, <laughs> done. He, he committed career suicide doing that. So, <laughs> so Aaron said. <laughs> yep, that was it. Done. No, so That's hilarious. It's true. <laughs> no, I don't know if it's true, but that, that – but uh, no, like I said, we gave him the same feedback, and I'm like, uh, you know, it used to be like, like what the way Half Wheel, who does a very good job of covering the TA, you know what they did for years? They called every manufacturer saying if they were doing a TA cigar, and that's how they got the list. Now right. they do release the list. Uh, in fact, this is the first year they actually announced the manufacturers before the convention, and then they right. announced the cigars at the convention. I, some steps in the right direction. I'll say. I agree, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I think that I think they took some steps. Um, the better, but I said, I said, this is like, they should be killing it with these cigars, even if, because you just, someone said it, it's proven you can sell substandard cigars, <laughs> even yeah. if these cigars well, I mean, are substandard. At this point, we could almost argue the fact that I would say everybody makes at least three or four substandard cigars. If it's 80% of the consumption, mm-hmm. well, we got, right? we no got, matter who you are, we got this other batch lying around. Let's just release it to the TAA whatever you know of, yeah or, hey, I mean, yeah let's do a new release you know this this is what the fuck is yeah. this put now, a band. now some companies i think have used the ta smart right i think the two i'll mention is cle and la polina they do early releases to the taa and it kind of is a way of getting something out there to kind of test the waters with some of the products and then some of those products have become regular production releases after that so i, right. see, I think that's not a bad idea to do that um, and it gives them an early, it gives the, the TA retailer some early incentive. 
uh, and again, yeah. see if the product works. You know, they have something different. That, that I don't think it's a bad approach. Well, but, and so Coop, here's a question. Do you think, because recently within the last year and a half or two, PCA has been sort of trying to follow that same sort of model with PCA right. exclusive. Do you think that's been a success? Do you think they have the potential to make it a success? So I'll answer that. Um, Cause that's a, that was one of the questions I was going to ask as a, another Oh, segment. sorry. I didn't mean to. No, 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 in. no, no, no. I was actually not going to ask it. Cause I knew we were running late. So I'm glad we're talking about it. So I think that they stumbled pretty bad the first year with the PCA exclusive. I don't think that was, I can't put all that on the PCA though, because I think the manufacturers let them down in a lot of cases, right? Stuff wasn't. The timing was really, it, 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 was, it, it was, it was, so it was a no win situation timing. So, so my question this year was back is, can the T, can the PCA get it right this year? Um, and that's, that's a to be determined. I don't think we know that answer yet. Um, I, cause I liked what they were proposing last year. Like it's a trade show. They had this pavilion. You were going to see all the cigars. If you were like, if you bought the VIP package, you would get a sampler of all these PCA exclusives. And that just didn't happen. It was a like, and I think, you know, so, a lot of it is on the manufacturer. I think PCA needs to be a lot tougher. Hey, if you want to have a PCA promoted cigar, it's got to follow these criteria. I think at least they were thinking about some of that stuff last year, but I think it just, I think it just all fell apart with the whole short timing of the trade show and supply chain problems, which is why I said, let me give them a chance this year to see if they can at least push this in the right direction. I also like the product hub. I think that was a smart move they did as well. Um, I think they got to get back to really starting to promote that product hub. Um, they kind of got away from that. Um, and that's just the way you can just keep it so, going all year round. So as far as the early indicators, cause it's March, and the trade shows in July, do you think early indicators wise, do you think they're on the right track? So, no. So, so the only thing the, I'll say is here's there's only one scar that's been announced as far as I know for the PCA. And that is the tattoo. And it's slated for November. And that's so you Bear tell me how Charlie, well that's going to go. And that's because yeah. Baron Charlie, basically we're talking to Pete. I mean, I'm going to yeah. be very honest with you. That's how we had this story. That's how Charlie had this story. Did he the Padron PCA ever come out? It, it just shipped. It just shipped. Okay. It just I, shipped. I have it. I actually, I actually have the cigar. Yeah, it's available yeah. at retailers now. Yeah. So the ninety-five was supposed to be the PCA last year. Yes, it was yes. the PCA. Uh, okay. I don't think I got mine. I just got it today. Literally, I just got the cigar today. I went down and got it from my shop. Uh, not a cheap cigar either. No, it's so, not. No, it's. But it's a sixty, so you'll love it. It's a sixty ring gauge, so you'll love it. Yeah. Yeah. I like the <laughs> right, but okay. So, but, you know, back to what you're saying. From, from some of this, and I haven't heard this officially from the PCA, but I heard there was some deadlines this month for companies to submit what they were doing for PCA exclusive. Yeah. So that's why if they haven't, if you haven't seen much done yet, I don't think they've gone through the process. But in my opinion, they're already falling behind the eight ball. This stuff is stuff January. I would have started promoting, like started this process in January. And because you want to get people to the show, uh, the idea is get people to the show. Right. And here's the other thing. You got to get cigar. The cigars that were released last year, I didn't see anyone saying, "I got to go to the show to get one of these PCA exclusives." Like I, I, Tatuai released the T one ten Habano, which I get. Um, that was something, but otherwise, I'm not saying they were bad cigars. But are they enough to say, you know, what, I'm gonna get, a, I'm gonna go to Vegas this year. I want to buy it, buy this cigar. There was nothing I saw there that was compelling, right? To do that, exactly. Well, and there's one, 
that I can think of right now, uh, I know there are probably a few more, but there's one fairly decent size brand that's going to be back at the PCA this year that missed the last one or two years at the trade show. So uh, I hope that trend continues. I hope that, you know, more medium to large brands choose to go back and exhibit at the PCA again, because I think overall it's good for, I, I, I truly believe it's good for their brands, not only good for the industry as a whole, but you know, I, 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 they, they get to choose how they spend their money. And if PCA is not a, not a, a good financial decision, I, then they don't have to go. Wow. Yeah, but I know there's I know of one that's going back that that has missed the last couple of years. So that's good. Yeah, and I mean, I'm not going to last year. I won't ding anyone who missed it because there was it was a crazy year last year. Um, So, I mean, the the floor, I mean, they've they've shown that they're not looking to abandon the PCA or anything. They right wasn't the right year for them to go. And uh you know, I was I was at the factory, by the way, and they were working their asses off that day. So um, I'll just say that. So, yeah, um, full capacity that day. So um, but, you know, it, I think that's a good thing. Um, but again, I, I think if they can get that, if they can get it working, the PCA. Um, like with those, I think they they could do something with this and they, and they could they could pass the TP, the TAA much faster, but they got to. They gotta get they gotta get it together this year. Yeah. And hopefully and hopefully they will. Mm. Amen. Amen. All right. Last question of the night, guys, because I know Riz stays here, right? <laughs> Alec Bradley of True question. Munchies. Munchies. Yeah. We're gonna talk about munchies. Okay. I wanna know your I wanna know your favorite munchie a snack in a bag, is what I'm saying. Not, cool. not like so is it, is it, you know, do you guys have a favorite munchie? And we'll go around and say what is your favorite munchie? Sunflower seeds. Nice. Mm. For me, it's uh chili cheese Fritos. That was mine, man. That, oh, oh, sorry, oh. bro. I'm sorry, bro. Oh no, no, that's, <laughs> yeah, great. that's... I'm glad, no, I'm glad you said it. That was mine. It's awesome. Yeah, that's that's, that's my, I I love those. Yeah, chili cheese Fritos. So chili are, cheese Fritos. Are, they're crack in a bag. Yep. Oh, absolutely. That was my totally love those. Took Fritos to the next level. <laughs> I'm sure Mike's I'm... is gonna be like banana chips or banana chips, pork rinds. Pork rinds, fruity pebbles, uh, fruity pebbles, fruity pebbles. <laughs> I mean, for me, like when you asked the question, I just instinctively thought of Reese's Pieces. So, I mean, I would that, count, that counts. Mm. That, that counts. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, you fucking sunflower seeds. I'm like, <laughs> I want, <laughs> I want to eat enough so that I'm sick. I can't. I don't think I could ever get sick off of sunflower seeds. Yeah. 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 Too much work. Yeah. It's, it's, I it's love chewing it. and the whole. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Salty. Yeah. yeah. All right, we have uh, Surgeon and Aaron have a go. Yes, uh, I'd go with uh, either chocolate pretzels. You talk about cracking a bag. Chocolate Maybe. pretzels are just like the smaller the bag, the better because whatever size that bag is, it's Gone. it's going down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the second one for me is, and, and it is definitely crack, is uh, peanut M and M's. 
I've, I've resorted now to getting like the 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 one the 2.2 pound bags just because it's you know price effective go big or go home oh, baby. but you, you just can't you can't if you take the bag out of storage you're in trouble because you can go through half a bag of that and you've eaten a basically a pound of peanut m&ms before you know what's going on they're just you can't stop and if we've learned anything from this uh podcast or media thing it's buy in bulk it helps you. Yeah. It helps you. Does does a snack convention? I'll have to ask. Uh, I think Dave Garoppolo went to a snack convention. I'll have to ask him <laughs> <laughs> if they have a uh, the snack association of America or something. Aaron, Aaron, uh, waiting. If you actually like a snack in a bag, I might go with like Whoppers. Whoppers. Um, yeah. Wow. So That's I'm good, a, I'm a big malted milk fan. Yep. Um, but you know you, you can get them like in that like the half gallon like uh oh like the Maltesers or whatever. I don't know what they call them. Can't don't give me the bullshit can't Canadian names version. Whoppers. Whoppers, <laughs> uh, yeah. Until like you know you put it like I I like put them in my mouth and I like you know just kind of suck on them or whatever to oh, get yeah. like the malted yeah, milk part. So uh, until like the roof of my mouth is raw from like the sharp edges of the of the of the inside. That's when no I'm pain, done. No that's, when I, that's when I wrap up. So, so would right. you say that the first third of the can tastes the same as the, the third? third <laughs> no, no, no. It's just like cigar. It's just it's like cigars are nowadays. Okay. The first third is good. And then after yeah. that, you're just it's, eating it them. And it's just goes appreciating it returns. But it's it just doesn't build to a crescendo just, in the last third. Yeah. It's on for the ride. So you're, you're like, there. I, I'm enjoying the first third of this box. Right. After that, I'm just addicted to it at okay. that point. That's so, fair. Yeah. That's I appreciate your honesty. Yep. By the way, oh. you know, you know what the most important part of this exercise is? We just gave a whole bunch of cigar people uh, marketing ideas. <laughs> That's great. That's great. We just, are you kidding me? We just wrote rest days fucking entire business plan. Yeah, he's, he's oh, all believe, right. believe me, I've already I've already texted him probably half a dozen ideas that, that oh. may may or may not make it to market. <laughs> Oh boy! Sunflower, I can't wait to see the chili cheese, chili cheese, whoppers, uh, whoppers. Chili cigar from Riste. I'm looking what forward about to that. Ezra, I can see Ezra Zion whoppers. Ezra Zion whoppers. Yeah. Uh, it probably already exists, so we don't even know about it. Yet. <laughs> it was like it was like a three three cigar release. It was, yeah. you know didn't have enough tobacco for a full. Yeah, full the trademark's release. already on the books. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the last third of the cigar will burn to the roof of your mouth. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Yep. Yeah. Um. All right. Hey guys, thanks so much for uh being on tonight um let me just wrap it up with uh programming notes uh no prime time next week uh the week after uh confirmed for april 7th, 7th. and aaron i think this will be the five-year show because it's right around the five-year mark oh nice so uh because the 13th is the five-year but we won't be able to do show fortunately the 14th Right. Uh, so uh, the guest is confirmed, and and this is Aaron is gonna have a lot of fun this night. Uh, Justin Andrews, of, my, favorite, uh, my favorite guest. STJ. <laughs> he agreed to come on. So, it's good. <laughs> so uh, the you want to stay t- uh, guy who's Aaron's given a lot of great reviews to over the yep. uh, over the yep. years. <laughs> so yeah, uh, we'll have that, and then uh, we'll be running jukebox on Monday. Uh, Dave Burke and I uh, we're gonna be doing guy. what. I love that guy. He's a good dude. He's a good guy. He's coming to the states, by the way, in um December. Really? He's gonna be up in Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah. So. We're gonna we're gonna get together and uh, we're, g- we're gonna go up there. Yeah. Get some juicy Lucys and yeah yeah, yeah. 
but <laughs> so uh, but uh, he'll we're we'll doing the women in music uh, for International Women's Month on uh, Monday, and uh, just to mention, I sent Dave a package on um, on January twenty third, and it arrived in Australia today. So. Uh, Oh. So yeah, two only took two months to get there. So he yeah, is nice to know the the supply chain is working. And, well. and I had to pay this. Like they don't allow you to send anything to Australia unless you send it like express. Right. It has to be the pre the premium <laughs> shipment. <is> COVID <laughs> safe. So everything like, everything lower is not COVID safe. And, yeah. and oh, and I'm call. I called them. I tried to get someone on the phone. Like, Where's this pack? Oh, it's on the way to Australia. I'm like, it's been on the way to Australia for a month and a half. I'm like, we we well, it's there. We can't track it. And well, it arrived. And that does. And that doesn't even count the six hundred bucks he's probably going to have to pay to get it out of customs. He's, I yeah. feel so bad for that guy. <laughs> I know. <laughs> he's got because there's a lot of stuff in there for him too. So. All right, shipping on this is seventy five dollars. Yeah. When, when, okay. when he is when he is in Minnesota and Coop, you join him in Minnesota. We we will hook you guys up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're gonna yeah we're gonna hook him up, but uh, he may have to pay us thousand dollars to take the stuff into the country. Hey, it's worth it. It's worth it. Yeah, yeah it'll, it'll still be less. Yeah, exactly, exactly. All right, but guys, thank you so much, um, and uh, really appreciate it. And, uh, I know it's late for you guys, and uh, thank you guys for everything. Thanks for your friendship as well. Mm. Uh, thanks to our audience for hanging in there as well. We had a good audience tonight, so uh, that's going to wrap up Primetime, episode 223, into the Annals of History for Wednesday, March 23rd, now Thursday, March 24th, in the Eastern and Central time zones. We'll see everybody next time. Take care. See you guys.